0: This is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs.
1: For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time out for the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is.
2: Welcome to Carricker and Smallman on a Friday on 101 ESPN. It's 7:01. your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Randy Carricker and good morning, Michelle Smallman. How are you
3: doing? Good morning, Randy. I love that you're singing along to Rebecca Stapping Black. My fingers. Yeah, fire <laughs> up. We're all kind of smiling and bopping our heads. It's a good Friday here in St. Louis.
2: It really is. Boy, are the Cardinals hot. And I go back, Michelle, to when we were doing the show right at the beginning of that series against Washington, the Cardinals had. A pretty easy schedule coming up. The only real challenges were gonna be the Yankees and the Milwaukee Brewers. And I was hoping the Cardinals would go nineteen and seven. They have finished that stretch now by going twenty and six.
3: So they were six, listening.
2: Six games ahead in the division.
3: I know. I can't believe, Randy, that earlier in the year, or even right before the trade deadline, if we were talking about, is this team good enough to add to? Is this is this team really good enough to make a run or even compete for the division or even win the division? And now here we are talking about the Cardinals really separating themselves from the Brewers, becoming a legitimate World Series contender. We're talking about Albert Pujols becoming Pete Albert Pujols again, <laughs> chasing 700 home runs. We're talking about Adam Wainwright and Yadier going for the all-time battery record and we're talking about Paul Goldschmidt not only being the National League MVP as he competes with Mm -hmm. Nolan Arenado for the title but potentially winning the triple crown life came at us pretty pretty fast
2: it really has come at, at us pretty fast and it's amazing to think Michelle this weekend the Cardinals get to test themselves against the defending world champions and rather than trying to to keep pace with the Brewers or trying to secure a wild card spot. Here are the Cardinals trying, as they might, to match themselves against the defending world champions who are one of the best teams in the league this year.
3: And the Cardinals have been red hot, but take that momentum and show what you can do versus the defending champions. Yep. I think that they, if I'm the Cardinals, Randy, I'm looking forward to, to this test. I'm looking forward to not playing the Cubs or not not playing teams that I know that I should beat up on easily. Mm-hmm. I, I want to prove that we are a team that can actually be in the World Series conversation.
2: We are a fun fact show, right?
3: We love fun facts here.
2: Back on July 30th, way back on July 30th. were there 31 days in July?
3: Yes. Okay, I just one yes. picture. So confirms. we've
2: had 25, uh, we've had 26 days since July 30th. On July 30th, the Cardinals were four games behind the Brewers in the National League Central. Today, 26 days later, they're six games
4: ahead. Wow.
3: <laughs> and you know how Paul Paul DeYoung last year said, I don't know, the Cardinals just, we, we historically get hot mm-hmm. in August and September. That's what we do. And we, you and I had the conversation with, Yes, that that has happened, but you can't rely on that. You just can't assume Mm -hmm. that you're going to be able to find that gear all the time. Early in the season, you want to make sure that you're treating every game as if it was August and September, so you don't have to put yourself in that position. But here they are again. It's just in their DNA.
2: Yeah, there's some magic formula there that nobody else can figure out. The Dodgers do it all season long. I know, they really (laughs) do. They're so good. But the Cardinals are pretty good when we get to August and September. Yesterday, the Cardinals put a couple of runners on with one out in the first inning in Chicago for the Red hot. Uh, my bad. <laughs> Corey Dickerson. Our bad.
4: Dickerson, another base hit. He's nine for his last nine. Here comes Donovan. One to nothing Cardinals. Corey Dickerson is on fire. He wound up getting to
2: 10 for 10, and Michelle, I, I tweeted. I spent three and a half months saying, okay, this guy's getting DFA'd. He's when, <laughs> when he comes off the IL, he's getting DFA'd because Yepes will be here and Donovan's here, and Newt Bar's here and the Cardinals have all these players, and lo and behold, here's Corey Dickerson going 10-for-10. 10 10-for-10. 10.
3: 10 10. He becomes the 11th baseball player in the expansion era to go 10-for-10 10 in 10 consecutive at-bats. Unbelievable.
2: Incredible. So the Cardinals up one nothing. They make it 3-0, but in the bottom of the second, an error by Tommy Edmond allows the Cubs to score their first run. Then Chicago put runners on second and third with two out for Christopher Morrell.
4: The 1-2. Morel up the glove of Edmond. Stays with it. Throws! The stretch got him. It's incredible. Tommy Edman, Paul Goldschmidt. Incredible here at Wrigley. He robs Morrell of a base hit. And this takes two runs off the board. And the stretch by Goldie is sensational.
2: Third baseman, Tommy Edmond, with Nolan Arenado getting the day off, just comes in and plays gold glove defense himself.
3: And We talk a lot about the excitement that we've been seeing out of the offense. We talk about Jordan Montgomery coming in and really fortifying the starting starting pitching. It's almost as if we're taking for granted how sensational the Cardinals' defense is because this has been their calling card for the past two years. But whether it's Nolan Arenado and Goldie and Adam Wainwright breaking that play Mm -hmm. down in such vivid detail or what we saw yesterday, this team is so fun to watch defensively.
2: There's a play every day. Every day. And even though they're making errors, and I think they've made errors now in six straight games, they're still making great plays defensively so you've got the cardinals up by a score of three to one and then one guy expands the lead in the
4: fourth (laughs) sixth and eighth the next to paul goldschmidt goldie lines it fair past patrick wisdom and into right one run is in here comes another goldschmidt has driven in numbers 101 and 102 to extend the st louis lead Goldie rips it out to deep left, and a long one. Number 32 for Paul Goldschmidt, and now the leader in runs batted in in the National League. Donovan at first base, and Goldie sends one out to center. Velasquez back another over the 400-foot sign. His second home run today. One back now the home run lead of the National League. There's a
2: scene in The Natural where Max Mercy, the baseball writer, says,
4: does whatever he wants, doubles,
3: triples, home runs, whatever he wants. And that's exactly what Paul Goldschmidt is this year. He's Roy Hobbs. It's 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 like a hit, another hit, a home run, another homer, another homer. It's he's he's unbelievable, Randy. We're we're legitimately talking about not only Paul Goldschmidt winning the National League MVP, but the triple crown. That's he, where we're at. Yeah, he, he's at that
2: point now. 33 homers, 105 runs batted and He's hitting 339 with a .420 on base percentage and a .637 slug which leads the national league 630 well everything leads the national league batting average ops on base slug RBIs. the only thing where he doesn't lead is home runs and he's close he's crazy good he's crazy good and savor it and michelle i put this up on the the twitter machine yesterday because as unbelievable he, as he is and adam had brought this up with a young player who asked him earlier in the season adam wainwright hey, have you ever seen anybody as hot as goldie and he said, well, it's one of the weeks that Goldie won Player of the Week. He said, well, think about this week. Kid said, okay. He said, well, Albert did that for 11 years.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what and, what and we're seeing numbers, out of Goldie, he did for yeah. 11 years. And
2: the numbers are there to back it up. And I put it up on the Twitter machine yesterday that essentially what Albert did for 11 years matches what Goldie has done this season.
3: And what Albert is doing this season. Yeah, right. It's insane. It's,
2: it, it's absolutely insane that's a great word for it so the cardinals win it by a score of eight to three and good work yesterday by dakota hudson i figured out the key to appreciating dakota hudson he does go seven he allows two runs on five hits strikes out four and walks two throws 97 pitches in those seven innings here he is
5: Yeah, it felt really good. Um, Just getting out there and trying to attack, use all my stuff, and then uh, made some adjustments through this week. Had some uh, little change in mindset. I felt like that all the time.
2: So, Michelle, you can get frustrated, and I'm sure we all did, as we watched Dakota Hudson traverse his seven innings yesterday. And we're thinking, oh, it's going to go downhill. It's all bad. Because we've developed this idea of what we're going to get out of Dakota Hudson. The key to appreciating Dakota Hudson is to not watch him pitch. And then just look at the numbers at the end of the day.
3: <laughs> so show us the baby, don't watch the labor. Yeah, yeah, don't tell okay. us about the
2: labor, just show us the baby. Okay, That's exactly what it is with Dak. Because he can be effective, but he can be infuriating when you watch him pitch. He, he generally, he's not a number one starter, he's a number four or five back of the rotation guy. But he generally gives you back of the rotation performances. But if you watch it, you think, oh man, this guy can't pitch in the majors.
3: But then at the end of it all, you're like, wait, what just happened? Exactly.
2: Yeah, and that's (laughs) what the Cubs are saying. Uh, Packy Naughton came on through a third of an inning, and then Jordan Hicks finished up. And Jordan, by the way, looked really good with a couple of strikeouts in an inning and two-thirds. And as we mentioned, the Cards will welcome the Atlanta Braves to town for three and a couple of national TV games. We only get Bally tonight, Big Fox tomorrow night, and then ESPN on Sunday night. And tonight the series begins with the Braves uh, pitching – one of their best, and he, I think he struck out a million, was it? Somebody mentioned that he struck out a million against the Cardinals. Spencer Strider, he'll take on Jose Quintana tonight in the seven fifteen
3: game. A million Cardinals he struck out, huh? In one game? Yeah, uh, Cardinal killer. Randy, I am buckling up for two things. Number one, Nolan Arnato not with the team because he and his wife are welcoming their first child into the world. Congratulations! Hopefully the baby is here and healthy and that, that mom and, and baby and Nolan are doing great. We don't know yet, but Nolan Arnato is going to return to the Cardinals, Randy, with new dad strength.
2: Yes, he is. That and, happens. And, and
3: buckle up for that because look at what we're getting out of him already. You're mm-hmm. adding new dad strength to that. That's a big deal. Well,
2: And, and as Dan and Brad mentioned yesterday, Ryan Helsley also comes back Correct. probably throwing 110.
3: New dad strength for Helsley too. So add that to what we're already seeing from your St. Louis Cardinals. And Randy, the crowds on the road have had a lot of red in them. I mean, Mm -hmm. when we play those Danny Mac highlights, you hear so many people cheering at at Wrigley. And I know that that's uh, a rite of passage for so many Cardinal fans to go up to Wrigley for a summer series, Uh, especially now that the team's doing well and people want to see Albert. But imagine what the crowds are going to be like down the stretch at Busch Stadium. Imagine how many people have bought tickets because they want to see an Albert home run or they want to pay their respects to yachty or they want to watch the national league mvp in action or they want to see this team as they continue to separate themselves and round into a world series contender we're gonna see an energy at bush stadium starting tonight until the end of the season that we haven't seen in a long time
2: yeah the storylines abound don't they there are so many great reasons to pay attention to and to watch this team and buy tickets and They've also, down the stretch, they've got unbelievable, and we're going to talk about it later on in the show, they've got unbelievable promotions coming up, too, to honor Yachty and Albert and Wayno too.
3: Yes, absolutely. But I think back to, Randy, pre-pandemic when it was the NLCS and we Bush Stadium wasn't even sold out because people didn't really feel like the team had that much of a chance. And then you think about not having fans in the stands or having partial um Crowds in the stands or, you know, even at points this season when you would look up and there would be big swaths of, of empty seats there. We had so many conversations about if people want to go downtown or what baseball is going to do to, to gain the interest of the fan back again. It's going to be packed. You're going to you're going to see Bush Stadium absolutely packed to the gills, and I can't wait because what's better in St. Louis than having Cardinal baseball be something that is must-see TV or having FOMO because you don't get to go to the game. Yeah,
2: and if the Cardinals can get two out of three this weekend against Atlanta, they'll be four and a half behind the Braves in the <laughs> National League. So the Braves will have to look over their shoulder. The Mets, who are already looking over their shoulder at the Braves, they'll have to look over their shoulder at the Cardinals, who have a chance... Not a great chance, but a chance because of the way they're playing to wind up with one of the two best records in the league and that first round to buy. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Peak and Pit is coming your way on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN up into the peaks or into the pit peaks and pits join in on the conversation with character and smallman now text 65780 this is 101 espn
2: time for a- pit here peak and pit actually here on 101 espn (laughs) because we've got both you've got your peak of the week and you've got your pit of the week get your text into the air comfort service text line at 65780 we'll let michelle start get going what do you got
3: my peak randy's cardinal baseball how Mm -hmm. fun how fun has this been to watch this team every night you you want to make sure that you're watching this team and every night it seems like something spectacular happens in the games they've been a peak for sure
2: Absolutely. Actually, my peak, I'm I'm distilling it down to one game. I think one of my favorite games that I've ever seen was Saturday night. It was awesome. With the Albert two home runs and with the Aronado play and the the joy that the team played with and the fact that they scored 16 runs on 18 hits and it was just good, clean fun. And the Cardinals rolled over the Diamondbacks. I, I think as I look back on this 2022 season, until we get to the postseason, that will probably wind up being my favorite game of the year.
3: That was an awesome game. It had everything. It had every component. Yeah, that was a that was a great game. Uh Randy, I don't really have many pits this week. Life is pretty good for your girl. So I guess my pit is that this morning we're not talking about an Albert pool holes home run. <laughs> every game I expect him to somehow be involved. I expect him to somehow get in at bat and I expect during that at bat he's going to hit a home run. So every game that he doesn't hit a home run, it's a pit for me
2: first-word problems here.
3: It really is.
2: So I'm along the same lines because we, <laughs> we can't complain about the weather. No, it's All right? perfect. Things are going good. The, there, there is no Blues news. There's no Rams victories yet to complain about and Correct. have that be a pit. My pit is that the Cubs figured out a way to shut the Cardinals out in one game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm upset that the Cubs l- were able to shut the Cardinals out in a game. That's my pit.
3: How dare they? <laughs> Unbelievable. It it is really good in St. Louis right now. I guess a pit for me, too, Randy, is that around this time of year, I start to get that nostalgia pull of the NFL because it's it's this time of year and around the NFL draft mm-hmm. when I really miss the Rams because these were the only good times we had. Right During the regular season, I won't miss the Rams because that will just remind me of – us having to put together shows, and and will the Rams beat the Arizona Cardinals? No, they won't. They, no. no, the Rams are not going to win. No, it wasn't um, gonna. but this time of year, we had a draft pick that we were excited because we saw them in, in training camp and preseason action. It was it was the hope before mm-hmm. the inevitable pain right so the, uh, this time of year makes me miss going to training camp a little so that's a pit
2: by the way how about st louis legend aaron donald yesterday going all richie incognito on the bengals <laughs> did you see that he was sw- swinging a bengal's helmet
5: around at people it was awesome something tells me aaron donald going to get a little bit <laughs> mini vacation to start the season <laughs>
3: going all rich no, incognito. Not, not
5: in practice i think you gotta get him for one you gotta get him one game no. for swinging his helmet like a, if it, like, if a it... like a like a dumbbell at people we're talking practice
0: Talk, We're not, game. not We're talking doing, Aaron not game. You, We're talking, talking helmets I
5: think you, you, gotta think you gotta send a message What can the league do? It's practice Seeing him for one You can't suspend a guy for practice It's this practice is what happens when you, This is what happens when you practice with knife fighting too much Yeah, he's Hey, he's got a
2: he, He's a Pittsburgh kid He grew up hating the Bengals No doubt He's allowed to
5: do that What do we got on the text line? Six five seven eight zero. Oh. Peak, I was medically cleared to begin working out again after soldier, shoulder surgery
3: Alright
5: Good This also means I have to go back to work
2: um. Okay. Hey, do what the doctors say, though. When you do the rehab and medically cleared, that's cool. But keep doing what the doctors say and build the strength back up in that shoulder.
3: And I know going to work, going back to work might be the pit. But at some point, don't you want to get back into a routine? Not only with mm-hmm. working out, but get that structure back Being in around your life. People. Yeah, yeah, let's think positively.
5: Peak. They took three or five from the Cubs pitch. They lost the Wayno and miles starts. Wayno could have five more wins. than he does this season. Lots of starts giving up less than three and losing. Yeah, that's kind We're of not winning for him, but
2: it's uh, he's giving you a chance to win. That's all you can ask. And yes, you'd like to get more run production for him, but just didn't happen.
3: Yeah. Justice for Adam. Okay. Yeah.
2: Hashtag, get, justice, hashtag for
3: Adam. justice for Adam. Give him run support.
5: Come on, Cardinals. Come
3: on, man. Peak! I actually
5: won at the casino for a change last night. There you go. That always feels good. Yeah, nice. Well done. Congrats. Pit, I slept one hour and I have to go to work all day and then the game tonight.
3: Yeah, but here's what you do. You power through your day and then right before the game, that's when you slam another coffee or five-hour energy or GDP, whatever your caffeine of choice is, you slam it and You're bummed out because you're on an hour of sleep. You're going to watch the Cardinals and the Braves on a beautiful summer night in St. Louis. And you won at the casino. And you're going to use your winnings to buy some beers. You
2: are flying on adrenaline today.
3: Sometimes those are the best days, too. You're like, oh, man, hour of sleep, got to go to work. Sometimes you're your most productive because you're actually a little miserable inside. So you're like, I just got to put my head down and grind through this day.
2: Morning after the Blues won the Stanley Cup. Wasn't that one of the most fun days ever?
3: I don't even think I went to bed. I was just so hopped up on adrenaline. I could could not wait to come to work the next day. Not
2: to compare winning the Stanley Cup with just winning at the casino. Unless you won like a million dollars. Well, no, even
5: if you won a million dollars. Because no, winning the
3: Stanley Cup, priceless.
5: Exactly. I'd take the million dollars. I'd take the Stanley Cup. Baby. Sorry. I'm, I'll be 100% <laughs> honest about that one. I'll, I'm going to slip in a little peek here. Last night, um, I was at a gas station just getting a soda before I went home, and a guy handed me a scratchers, and I, at first I like shied away because somebody was trying to hand me something as soon as I walked into a gas station. Yes, I would run And that run freaked away. me out. But then I realized he was just trying to hand me a scratcher. Um, he eventually left. I scratched off in my car. 150 bucks. Nice! Right. I, was like, I wish he would have been there. I was I was going to th- throw him like 10 bucks and have him get more, I was like, I, I won fifty bucks just random randomly. act of kindness. There's nothing that. like
2: a random act of kindness. Right, it's the best.
5: That is the best. I, and I, it shocked the hell out of me. And it was it pumped me up for the rest of the night. Peak. I got to play an awesome golf tournament in Indianapolis on Wednesday. Pit, I left my phone and my wallet and my sunglasses everything in the golf cart and had to drive all the way back to get them So you were uh, drinking a
2: little bit, huh? Yeah. yeah.
5: He said he he left his phone wallet sunglasses airpods and his keys. There's no way There's no way
3: you leave all of that
5: Yeah,
2: unless you you were riding with somebody. I guess
5: he was riding with somebody and you're super
2: super super drunk.
3: It's super drunk. Yeah, I'm sorry buddy I imagine this person in the passenger seat housing McDonald's without a care in the world. Like, what a great day. Uh We're driving back. I'm snacking on some fries and a fountain Diet Coke and life is good. Here's the thing, guys. It's time that we bring up this conversation. Uh If you guys carried a purse or a man bag, this would not be an issue. All of your your belongings would be in one concentrated place. All you have to worry about is grabbing the bag. That's (laughs) it. You won't have jangly pockets. You won't have a lumpy back pocket. You don't have to worry about sitting on your phone and smashing it.
5: I'm not doing the the over-the-shoulder fanny pack, Michelle. I'm I'm just saying, guys. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it.
3: Come to the the smart side. A lot of guys have embraced it. You will not be leaving your things and having to drive back to Indiana if you only have one bag to worry about.
2: And oh, by the way, what a great idea from Michelle Smallman for our friends at Callaway and TaylorMade. Uh, a golf bag Yeah. well just make it as a a purse for guys that are out playing golf that's right so that you just don't leave everything in your cart now I have one time left my phone in a golf cart otherwise it's the only time I've ever left anything in a golf cart I can't imagine leaving everything in a golf cart I mean because I have to use my keys to open up my car to put my clubs back in
3: yeah he must have been a passenger yeah because you don't leave your keys sunglasses AirPods?
5: Yeah, no. I feel for you, though. One texter does say that's what the golf bag is for, and that's a really good point. That
3: is true, but a lot of times you don't want to put all those things in the golf bag because you don't want, well, I guess they're side pockets on the golf yeah, bag. There's, there's tons of side, of side pockets. So many side that's pockets. That's one of the
5: reasons you buy the golf bag. Is is, is Yeah, that's
3: true. This guy, what, what is he doing? What are you doing? Yeah. We, I know well, we he, know he know probably had t- too much sauce, but come on, man.
5: I mean, that was, I would like to see what the cooler looked like in their in their cart.
3: I'm just saying, though, like, this bag that I have, it's like Mary Poppins in here. You never know what you're going to find in there. A granola bar, hand sanitizer. <laughs>
5: that's why women's purse is terrifying. I have, a, ba-
3: I have a back brace in there. Yeah. I have, oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah you I'm trying to work break. on my posture, so I yeah, bought right. a back brace. A back buddy, it's called. Uh-huh. But you never know what you're going to find in a, in a bag.
2: Well, here's the thing about guys. Tide pen. Like, we could be driving along. Grapes. And I'll say... You got any chapstick in your purse? You got some hand sanitizer in your purse? We just ask. We let somebody else carry the bag.
3: But then what happens when you're, when you're at golf? So then
2: we're done. We're, or what happens
3: if you're Michelle, running errands and you're like, you know what? I could use some chapstick.
2: We're guys. We're done. <laughs> you know what we do? That's why they make uh, like mobile on the run. I need to buy a chapstick.
3: <laughs> and then you add it to the 17 yep. chapsticks you already own. Exactly. On. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> Peak, the Cardinals are rolling. Pit,
5: my dog broke two bones in her leg and she has to have surgery. Oh, oh poor thing. That is the saddest thing in the world. Do- oh, my gosh.
3: Dogs being injured oh is the worst thing ever. The I mean, limber. the dog with the cone is sad, but if you see a dog that has the little wheel oh, contraption, yeah. oh, it just breaks your heart because you know they want to run free. They want to run fast and they can't because they're, the we- they're in the wheel. What's it called? The wagon? I don't know. Yeah.
5: I think that works. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Our
2: most athletic dog, his name was Midas, and loved to play frisbee and would jump really high in the air. His vertical was probably two and a half feet. Wow. And he broke his toe one time, jumping up and then coming back down. He didn't have to have surgery, but we just had to shut him down for a few weeks. (laughs) Poor guy. Yeah.
5: That, that sad little was whimper a, when he broke So you could take off. him
2: to the park, though, and throw the Frisbee as far as you could throw it, and he would go get it. He And Goldens are, are great. Except, oh, you, you, okay, guys. I got Hold on. Uh-oh. Oh. Where, not everything is that great. Where's my phone? <laughs> I've got a great phone. Too bad
1: no, phone. you don't have a badge, because then you'd know did where your phone did? was. No
3: idea. Randy's searching frantically. I,
2: I don't have... Okay, let's...
3: Did you leave your phone at home? I might have left it in the car. Do Michelle. you want me to you're call it? Me, no. You tell me,
5: you have a friend you've grown up with since you were like you were like kids together. Just a friend of yours. He shows up to the bar one night and he has a man purse. And your reaction is not at any point going to be some kind of level of ridicule. You're not you're not cracking a single joke on the man purse. No, I'm oh, going to say you're
3: smart and stylish.
5: I just need to point this out, though. I don't have my phone. Randy, but, um, it
3: says calling mobile. It's not even connecting.
2: Uh oh, Randall, what would you do? Uh-oh. Probably down in the car.
3: It's, it won't even do you, connect, Randy. How did you is a walk problem? away
2: from your phone for that I long? I have no idea. But here's the thing. Yesterday, I get in my car after work, and I hop in, and I get a text from my wife, who said that I was taking a sock out of Darby's mouth. Darby is our current golden. I opened her mouth, and out pops... A dead baby squirrel.
3: Oh my gosh!
2: She said, "I can't believe that the neighbors haven't called nine one one because of my screaming." So Darby, who steals socks on a regular basis, and Joan was doing laundry, so she thought, "Oh, Darby had a sock." Opens it up, and then she screams for Patrick, our son, to come and pick up this dead animal oh that Darby gosh. has taken. Apparently, the, because it was a golden that had the dead animal in its mouth, it wasn't destroyed or anything. It was just a dead baby squirrel. So just yeah, that happened. Out in her mouth. Yeah, had it just and hiding it like she she thought she was being really cute. She she does but like she'll put a sock in the back of her mouth and then have one of her toys in the front and then she'll come and you, she's got that look in her eye and she's wagging like, like the little mini wag like I'm being naughty. And this was one of those situations where she was being naughty with a dead squirrel in her mouth up on our bed. <laughs>
3: Oh, my gosh. That's a pit for sure.
2: I thought it was kind of
3: Dead baby squirrel in your bed.
2: I understand why some people aren't
5: dog people, but that's hilarious to me.
2: Thanks, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate them. Jay Delsing joining us to talk some golf. The BMW Championship coming to St. Louis in 2026. How cool is that? That's coming up on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: We're only a couple of weeks out from the first day of the Ascension Charity Classic up at Norwood. Looking forward to that. You can still get tickets at AscensionCharityClassic.com. We get a chance to talk to our friend and the host of Golf with Jay Delsing Sunday mornings here on 101 ESPN, Jay Delsing himself. Good morning, sir. How are
6: you doing? I'm doing great, guys. You guys are killing me with this conversation this morning about the MRS. It's it's always fun.
3: (laughs) Jay, are you pro MERS or are you anti MERS?
6: Man, Michelle, four daughters. I can't. I can't. I feel like I've done everything for these girls. I can't go for the merc. No, I can't. I'll just leave my. I just soon leave my stuff. I can't walk around with it. I don't know. I just can't do it. You know, Even if Callaway comes up with something kind of golfy. I still think it'd be too weird for me.
3: That I was just going to say, if the right company made the bag and the right person endorsed it, e- every guy out there would have a Merce. I'm surprised Tom Brady doesn't have a TB12 Merce. Maybe that's coming down the pipeline. You know, he's got those special pajamas and all, all these, <laughs> he, you see Gronk and the TB12 underwear. Merces are coming and then everybody's going to have one. You mark my words.
7: Yeah,
6: yeah I'm, uh, I'm, I'm way behind the fashion curve. I, I know I'm going with you on this, but I'm certainly not going to buy one anytime soon. Randy, you got to get one first and, then, and send me a pick.
2: I think you and I are going to be behind the times. We're going to be, we're, before this becomes a real fashion thing, we're going to be
6: long gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's all right with me. We'll, be, we'll, we'll, we'll hang in there just as we are.
2: It was fun yesterday to have uh, Nick Ragone on the show, and I hadn't put it in this perspective, when we knew, but when you look at the President's Cup coming up in 2030 and the BMW in 2026 and the annual Ascension Charity Classic and the, uh, the APG tournament that's coming up, there are uh, a lot of great golf things, and St. Louis is kind of the epicenter of PGA Golf right
8: now
6: yeah it really is i mean this this b m w thing was we i had heard about it gosh over a year ago, but there was some sort of hang up i guess with the title sponsor now b m w is gonna be hanging in there and uh it's just uh, awesome that that Bell Reeve does this for the community you know and, and you you have to have a kick ass place to try to host a, an event that the, the size of something like this, you know and so, you know, kudos to Bell Reve for, for, for being that for St. Louis all the time. And then, uh, yeah, just the Ascension Charity Classic is gonna, going to kind of be the staple and the, the standard here, and it's a high standard, and then you're going to get the President's Cup and the BMW. It, uh, there's lots of, for us golf nerds, Randy, lots to do, man.
3: Absolutely, Jay. And speaking of golf nerds, I wanted to ask you about Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. They announced that they're launching a tech-infused golf league. It's in partnership with the PGA Tour, but it's going to have players competing on six three-man teams in 15 regular season matches, and there's going to be a playoff, and that starts in January of 2024. It's going to be called TGL. Jay, what did you think of TGL? Do you think that this is going to be a new and exciting thing for golf?
6: You know, Michelle, I'll be honest. I, I was really disappointed. All the stuff that the tour has done—it's t- completely understandable, but it's so reactionary. It, it really disappoints me. I mean, the, the, Greg Norman has been trying to do something like this, and he finally found the Saudi money—that—that that, that is an unlimited source—and so he can create. Create. I just wish the. tour taking a little more time and put some of these things together um what Tiger and Rory are putting together it's there's some night golf in there and some some Monday night matches and things like that but still guys to me there's still a lot of similarities to LIV and it, it's not that you know that, that they can't do it I, I just don't know I mean anything Tiger does moves our needle ridiculously mm-hmm. so I mean I do it I'd watch Tiger do anything I really would but I just don't know. I mean, they've got two really good, um, uh, long-time executives uh, that are that are kind of joining forces with them, and so I'm sure it's going to be a really cool pro- product. It's going to probably be in a, a stadium-like type environment, so you're going to see uh, ar- arena-type settings, and, uh, and and night golf is cool. I don't know if you guys have ever done any night golf where you're just playing under the lights instead of playing like with the glow-in-the-dark balls. It's 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 kind of cool. So I, I just have to see the concept, Michelle. I think um, a lot of this is reactionary to what Liv has done. But when you put Tiger and you put the resources that he has in it, I think it'll probably be pretty cool. Jay, presuming
2: I'm talking, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the championship here, the the FedEx Cup Championship coming up, and presuming that we already have superstars in Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth on the PGA tour. When you look at the group that includes Scheffler and Shawfley, and let's put Matthew Fitzpatrick in there and Cantley and, uh, Wills Alatoris has to be on that list and Morikawa, maybe somebody else. Who do you think the next golf superstar is?
6: You know, Randy, had you asked me this a year ago, I would have said Colin Morikawa, no doubt. Here's a young guy that's won two major championships And, uh, gosh, I don't know how many, four events, something like that. Um, But he's kind of fallen uh, by the wayside. It is so hard to try to predict anything with golf. I mean, every single week you see somebody on the PGA Tour shoot 65-73. And people, I I can remember people, when I occasionally did that, they're like, what the hell happened the second day? I'm like, I don't know. It's just a hard thing to, to keep following up. The 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 person that has really surprised me has been Zalatoros because um, he, he basically, if you remember, two years ago he didn't even have a tour to play on. He had no card whatsoever and wound up doing his thing. And um, it's remarkable too because his putting stroke makes me look away. It's got more. <laughs> it's, it, it looks a little like Charles Barkley's downswing. Used to look, you know, there's a hitch and then there's a stop. And but the ball rolls well and he knocks a lot of those putts in. So. I'm going to actually probably say, and it might be a dark horse, but I'm probably going to say uh, Zalatoris because what he does, the ball hitting that he has, is it really, really plays, and um, he's figured out a way to get the ball in the hole. So um, I'm going to go with Zalatoris. All right, sounds good. Big weekend on the patio over at Wild Crush. Oh my gosh, it finally got weather that you know it doesn't feel like somebody tossed a wet blanket, a hot wet blanket on you, and. and yeah, our patio's been rocking, you guys, and uh, we have live music tonight, and uh, yeah, come on out, have a glass, have one with us, and uh, maybe two with us, and, uh, and and check out our patio. That would be awesome.
2: Jay Delsing, sounds great. We'll hear from you on Sunday morning. Who do you have on the show?
6: No guests this week. Okay. Burley and I are just kind of breaking this down. We, we're, we're, we've we had Mike Tarico and Mark McGuire the last two weeks, and and uh, I got a lot of requests from people saying, we need you to you know, break down what they said. I'm like, gosh, I, I, it surprises me. But we're going to do a little bit of that and try to break down a little bit of the LIB stuff.
2: Sounds great. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jay. Have
6: a great day, guys. Thank you. you.
2: Too. See you. That is our friend Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. We'll have a little take it or leave it coming your way.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Matthew, and Randy. The text line 65780 so you can participate. Michelle, Dateline, Miami. Our Dolphins forced to cancel practice yesterday because a bunch of players started throwing up and could not stop. NFL Network's Mike Garofalo says some players thought all the vomiting was due to food poisoning, but the team checked what everyone's been eating and haven't found enough proof to back that theory. So take it or leave it, they have just seen enough of Tua's arm strength.
3: (laughs) Brandy, how could you do our guy like that?
2: I'm saying,
3: Randy! Randy! We can't do Tua like that. You taking it? Tyreek Hill said that he was the most accurate quarterback he's ever seen, right? But he might be throwing it five yards accurately. He's still the most accurate quarterback that Tyreek Hill's seen.
2: But that makes, hey, those five yard outs, they make me throw up the... Hey,
5: Chad Pennington won 10 games throwing 12 yards at the at the furthest. I'm just
2: saying, I'm just saying that uh, I think Tua's arm strength might have caused a few Dolphins players to throw up.
3: When you're describing this, I'm picturing the scene in Bridesmaids. <laughs>
2: yeah, right, right.
3: <laughs> it's coming out of me like lava. Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm gonna leave it, Randy, because I think everyone is thrilled with what they're seeing out of Tuatunga Vailoa. I don't think that he's causing vomiting or any sort of nausea in Miami.
2: <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Okay.
3: He's going to be the biggest surprise of the NFL, right? We've got a Dolphins golf bag in the office. Indeed we do.
2: And we've got the uh, Tua, just little Tua jersey.
3: Randy, we've got a song by T-Pain.
2: We do. For our Dolphins.
3: So speaking of, here's my take it or leave it. Right after the show, we are fortunate enough that we're gonna be heading down to Bush Stadium and spending the afternoon with Adam Wainwright and Big League Impact because we are in Adam's Fantasy Football League. And today is the kickoff, because fantasy football is starting. We're right around the corner from NFL week one kickoff. Take it or leave it, Randy. This is a year we win Adam Wainwright's Fantasy Football League.
2: You 100% take that, yes. We're
3: gonna win this year. I feel yeah. I feel good about our mojo. The character and smallman bump, it's about time we gave it to ourselves. We've helped out Adam, we've helped out David Perron, we've helped out Lars Neupar. I mean, the list goes on and on. John moselek has been on the show, then he goes out and makes a great deal. It's about time we give ourselves the character in Smallman Bump. And after talking to Adam yesterday, the trash talk is going to be heavy this year. And I just expect us to come out with the victory.
2: As uh, Larry Bird once so famously said as he leaned down to tie his shoes for the first NBA three-point competition. So, who are y'all going to get the second
5: place check? (laughs) I gotta walk walk into that <laughs> draft room with a cigar, and I will I will be so happy.
2: And by the way, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down six five seven eight zero, and I guess we can't read emojis on our text machine, so uh, just tell us thumbs up or thumbs down on two a fast, Tua a furious.
3: Last year it was just the two of us, mm-hmm. and we finished in third. We we did indeed. Um, so we are thinking Tua a fast, Tua a furious, or Tua a legit to quit. Right? Wasn't that the Both other? Of option? them are
2: great. Yeah. So.
3: Or if you have any other great fantasy football name suggestions, 657 or you know, the Air Comfort Service text line, because that's half the battle is getting mm-hmm. the name right.
2: Right. And we, we can root for Jalen Waddle. We can root for Mike Gusecki. Chase Edmonds is on the team now. Uh, so if you have a dolphin, maybe a creative dolphin name, we'll consider everything.
3: Or something with Carrickern's moment.
5: Yes, absolutely. Just
3: g- get those, those brain juices flowing on a Friday. Help us out.
5: All right, let's flash forward to the month of October. Okay. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Yachty gets a playoff hit before Tua completes a 30-yard pass. Take it.
3: Uh, I'm going to leave it because Tua is going to come out week one slinging that rock.
5: So he's going like, to have shoulder surgery by week two?
3: <sighs> I don't know, guys. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help I'm it. trying to be supportive. He's our quarterback. That's my quarterback. Right? Okay,
5: so at
2: the moment... We're still on the Dolphins' bandwagon until they lose a game.
3: Do we have a second team that we're ready to jump ship to? And why is it the Buffalo Bills?
2: I can't go with the Buffalo Bills now. Why? Because they're in division? They've got some issues that they're dealing with. Yep.
3: But we can't pick the Packers. We certainly aren't picking the Rams.
1: Well, we'll... um, I love
3: the Bengals. You know Joey B's my guy. Well, let's just... But they went to the Super Bowl. That feels yeah. like bandwagoning.
2: Yeah. Uh, until something really serious happens, like the owner gets suspended or something, we'll just stick it to <laughs> it. What? Why are you laughing?
3: All right. Oh, man. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. All right.
5: Take it or leave it. A non-SEC team wins the national championship in college football.
1: <laughs> leave. I think we can leave this. Leave.
3: Yeah. Unless you're an Ohio State fan, you're leaving that. Yeah. By the way, I forgot about why we we're not cheering for the Bills. Yeah, it just—I—I yeah. remembered the headline. Yeah. So yeah, no, we're out. We're out. Josh Allen, love you though.
5: Yeah. Take it or leave it. Uh, Paul DeYoung is the Cardinals' starting shortstop next season. I'm going to take it. So help me. It better not be. I
2: mean, what, is it going to be Edmund then? Yes.
3: Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
2: Better teach Nolan Gorman how to play some serious second base.
3: Do you think he's going to work on it all off season and come back in the best shape of his life? Oh yeah. They, so. they really like the developments yeah. they've seen.
2: You've got $9 million invested in Paul DeYoung, and you, Mason Wynn's going to be your shortstop in 2024. So uh, logic and history leads me to believe that Paul DeYoung will be the shortstop next year.
5: Okay. Ta- uh, where do we
3: go here? Sorry,
5: um, Take it or leave it. The Blues have four defenders that score 10-plus goals each. Leave it.
3: Four defenders that score 10-plus goals So we're talking Krug,
5: Pareko, Falk. Falk. Perunovic on the power play. Um, or Letty. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it.
3: I'm gonna leave that too.
5: Yeah, Nick Letty just not. He's just he's not a score.
3: Scandella. No, nah,
5: yeah. <laughs> maybe. If Mark, okay, if Scandella, if Scandella <laughs> scores ten goals this year, I'll never question a single thing Doug Armstrong does ever again. Not even a whiff. I'll let a guy just completely suck for an entire year, and I still will not question anything. He, you name know, and everybody. I, might as well this, pros, I mean, Lord Almighty, if that happens, he
2: actually has even tried to uh, move on from Marco Scandella.
5: No one wants the contract. contract. No one wants the contract. Right. Uh, take it or leave it. The Cardinals sweep the Braves. Leave. Leave it. Love it, love the idea. The Cardinals the thought, win but... the series against the Braves.
3: Take. Oh,
2: okay, I'll take it too, just because.
5: At it's home, boring. I did not like table. that reaction. You did, you did There was no. There was not a lot of enthusiasm or positivity there, Randy. Yeah. By the way, Nick Letty in his career
2: with three 10 or more goal seasons.
3: Okay. I'm looking at these fantasy football names. Mm-hmm. We do have the BLIS, the best listeners in sports. What do we got? If I'm going like to like. compile them and I'll read some maybe during your killing me Smalls later in the show okay. because. We have got some amazing contenders coming into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780.
2: Love the creativity. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for the texts. We do appreciate them. So the Cardinals take on Atlanta for three games this weekend. Is this a legitimate Cardinals test in regards to their World Series quality? That's coming your way on
1: 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and
0: Smallman's Fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today.
2: your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed... Rolex jeweler. Mizzou head football coach Eli Drinkwitz coming up at 8-15. Cardinals getting ready to take on the Braves in a three-game series this weekend. Atlanta is 30 game for 500, 78-48. Michelle, they've won eight of their last ten. They've done so by going 3-1 against the Mets, 2-1 against Houston, and then 3-0 oh against the Pirates. So, 5-2 uh, two against two of the best teams in all of baseball. 22-10 since the break, 16-7 in August, and they in addition to being remarkably consistent they just have a really good balanced team the Cardinals will have their hands full this weekend but I love the idea that the Cardinals playing as well as they are are getting an opportunity to play against the best right now they're the world champions because they aren't gonna get many opportunities like this the rest of the season
3: no and it's gonna be a good barometer for them to really realize what they have because it's easy it's seemingly easy to beat up on the opponents that the Cardinals have been facing but Randy since the All-Star break when they've faced quality opponents what did they do? They swept the Yankees Mm -hmm. they took two or three versus the Brewers and they should have swept that series as well they lost that Saturday night game in extras should have won that game and they could have swept the Brewers too so even though I look at the Braves and I don't think the Cardinals are going to sweep the Braves I think that they are in a position where they really should show what they're capable of this weekend
2: now the Braves have not had one of their best pitchers, Mike Soroka, for a couple of years. He may come back for the last month of the season, but they made the trade for Jake Odorizzi and Ian Anderson, who was, as you know, a stud for them last year in the postseason. He actually got sent down because his control was just so off and they're trying to get him straightened out before september so this weekend we'll see spencer strider who is one of the candidates for rookie of the year in the national league he'll be opposed by jose quintana tonight then charlie morton who's back on the beam and pitching great for atlanta he'll be opposed by jordan montgomery what a great pitching pairing on saturday night mm-hmm. at the ballpark and then sunday uh it'll be odor against adam wainwright
3: Looking forward to all three of these pitching matchups. And Jose Quintana has been a good pickup for the Cardinals, but Jordan Montgomery has been a revelation. You certainly like your chances uh, when he's on the mound. And you know what Adam Wainwright's going to do, especially uh, on a national showcase, Randy, on a Sunday night. It's going to be great to see him go out there and and do his thing for a national audience. But that's the thing right now is, and maybe maybe come Monday, I'm going to be singing a different tune Mm -hmm. because maybe the Cardinals will not show up against the Braves the way we're expecting them to. But as we enter this series, I think the Cardinals can hang with anybody.
2: And Michelle, I get the sense that this team, and this is not based on a large body of what we've seen, but I think this team appreciates where they are in regards to Cardinal history, to see all those guys out on the bench when the 82 team was paraded Uh around the field, and to see the way they reacted on opening day with all the red jackets. And here we are. It's Hall of Fame weekend. Matt Holiday goes into the Cardinals Hall of Fame tomorrow. Tonight, fans will receive the Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright hat, Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of Cardinal history. By the way, our friend Tim Convy and Ludo also playing at the ballpark tonight. So Ludo night at the ballpark, get your t-shirt there. And then tomorrow night, you We've got the uh, hall of fame weekend continuing with a Matt holiday t-shirt giveaway i just have to believe that with the reason that especially arenado and goldie came here to see all the history on display past meeting the present because you're seeing the, the history that's being made now history meets today yeah exactly with yachty and bueno and albert and then you see matt holiday come back and how much even though he played for the rockies and uh played for the yankees for a year His anchor is St. Louis. It's got to be pretty cool, I would think, for Cardinal players, especially veteran guys, to see the appreciation that the older players have for coming back here. And by the way, the stadium is going to be jam-packed this weekend.
3: I was just going to say that. As much as it's so cool to see Cardinal history on display and see – St. Louis give adoration to those guys and what they meant to our community and to the organization. I think guys like Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado wanted to come here because of what they're going to have this weekend. A packed Busch Stadium where every pitch matters and you have fans that are are living and dying by the outcome of these games and a team that's in a position to actually contend for some hardware. I mean, Jordan Montgomery is coming from the Yankees and obviously they have a rich history, but over the past few years they haven't been in a A position like the Cardinals have been to really go for it they're they're a really good team now even though they've been scuffling a bit this Mm -hmm. month but the reason that Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado want to come here is because of the state of the team right now because they really wanted a chance to be able to go for it and I wonder too Randy Nolan Arenado, as we mentioned earlier in the show out right now because he and his wife are expecting the birth of their first child maybe the child's here already we're waiting on that news but I wonder how long he's going to be out and how that might impact the, this series as well, not having Nolan Arnado there.
2: Well, one of the things the Cardinals have developed over the course of this season is depth. Who would have thought at the beginning of the year that, aside from you, the Lars Nootbaar would be the factor that he is?
3: I did pick him as yeah, the Cardinals have a magic yep. guy. So. But
2: Brendan Donovan continues to, to take really good at bats and play well at third. You can move Tommy Edmond over to third. He can play well there, and he's done things offensively over the course of the last week. Not that you want to try to live without Nolan Arenado, but I think you can. And I think it's another great opportunity for the Cardinals to display their depth against the best of the nationally guest offer.
3: And as long as we're talking depth and doing a little shout out corner here, how can we not shout out Corey Dickerson? <laughs> and and I mean, you want to talk about things you didn't see coming? Who out there expected Corey Dickerson to go 10 for 10?
2: nobody nobody
3: <laughs> but shout out to him he's been absolutely on fire and had been a huge reason for this cardinal success over over this uh this dominant stretch
2: so there's reason even if you don't have arenado in the lineup this weekend to hope and i would say expect because of the pitching that the cardinals are going to be able to compete with atlanta and the, the thing you don't want to do is and, and i don't think the cardinals are even capable of doing this getting blown out three games 1996 yeah they did but you don't want to get blown i know bad memories you don't want to get blown out three games in a row and i i really do think that this cardinal team even though they have been playing a lesser schedule i think that they're a good enough team that they can contend with playoff teams on a regular basis and atlanta is a great test
3: so do you think they win the series i do
2: think they win the series i think they probably win tonight even though they have to take on spencer strider mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. They do.
2: Tomorrow is going to be the tough one, right? Even though you have Jordan Montgomery on the mound and he's been great for you, you're going against Charlie Morton, who's a big game guy and wins when they, he's their Adam Wainwright. And then we have Wayno going, we being the Cardinals, because they're winning, uh, we, we have Waino going on t- Sunday night. And as you mentioned, in the spotlight, Waino loves it. So yeah, I say the Cardinals win tonight and Sunday night.
3: I'm I'm with you. I think Saturday is going to be the tough one. But again, with the way that Jordan Montgomery's pitching, you know that if the if the offense gives him the run support, I think the Cardinals could win that game too.
2: And one unfortunate aspect of this is that as we sit here right now, because there's a ways to go. But as we sit here right now, if the playoffs started, the Cardinals would play the Padres three here in St. Louis, October 7th, 8th, and 9th, and the Braves would play the Phillies three Mm. games. So these two teams would have no chance to play each other in the division series in the next round. They could only meet in the NLCS.
3: The playoffs are gonna be so fun. Those matchups are gonna be awesome.
2: There's six good teams that are gonna be in the National League playoffs. It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be great. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we are less than a week away from the opener for Mizzou against Louisiana Tech. Going to find out how Eli Drinkwitz thinks his team is stacking up right now. Next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: the Mizzou season opener September 1st that's Thursday night at the zoo against Louisiana Tech and our guy the head coach at the University of Missouri Eli Drinkwitz joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line coach
8: that's Michelle this is Randy good morning how you doing
6: Man,
2: I'm doing
8: great, Randy. How you doing, Michelle? How Good to be on y'all's show this morning. Well, we want to start
2: with this because we want to get people to Columbia on Thursday night. People can go to 1-800-CAT-PAUSE or just go to com to get tickets. But I would think with a group like you have and, and knowing some of the guys, emotion is going to play a big role in the, their success. And having a big crowd can do that.
8: Yeah, I mean, look, you, you come to the University of Missouri – uh, to represent the six and a half million people of this great state and put on a show for the fans. And, um, you know, we've got a great contingent of, of in-state players and out, out-of-state out players, but we need your support. Not everybody wants to see a winner. Well, you contribute to winning. Like I've said a couple of times, we're better together. You know, we're better when uh, the football team has that con- uh, connectivity to our, our fans in the stands and, and really hoping for, uh, an electric atmosphere at Faroe on, on uh, Thursday night.
3: Well, Coach, when fans show up to watch your team, what sort of identity will they will they see? Tell us what you've learned about your team in training camp.
8: Well, I, I think you'll see a connectivity amongst our team. I think they're going to play for each other. I think there is a, a genuine love and care for, for each one of their teammates. I think you're going to see a physical football team, a team that likes to hit, uh, and a team that plays with undeniable effort. Um, and you know, the rest of that identity will be displayed based on how we play. You know, um, I, it needs to be a smart, uh, football team. It needs to be a disciplined football team. Um, but those things show up when you play and, and on games and, and, um, so we'll find out on Thursday night about those, those aspects.
2: Can you teach a player to like to hit, or do you have to recruit players that like to hit?
8: Nah, you, you got to recruit players that like to hit. I mean, if they don't – if you're in this league and you're at this level, you've got a certain uh, certain amount of toughness and physicality to you. It's not really a, a concern for me. Like, oh, man, I don't know if these guys are going to want to hit. But they like to have contact. They like it.
3: <laughs> one one thing your team is not going to be devoid of, Coach, is leadership. Eight captains for your Mizzou Tigers. Why so many?
8: Well, I mean, is it more better? I mean, come on. Is it more better? Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, it was one of those things, you know, we've had, we've got a lot of guys that have been here a long time under our, our leadership and, and, and in our program. And, and, um, you know, our team recognizes that captains display the highest standard of what it means to be a Mizzou tiger and the core values that we have. And I think when you talk about, and when we voted and these were player led vote, this has nothing to do with coach, they nominated and vote. I think there's a, um, Hey, these are the men. It, There's no, there's no limit, there's no cap on leadership. I don't believe. I don't think that says. Well, after you get a certain number, you can't have any more leaders. You know, these were the eight guys that they felt like, hey, they represent the highest standard. They're gonna put their. their personal feelings aside for the betterment of our team. And so that was that was exciting for me. I was really fired up about it.
2: Eli, obviously, like you said, you have a lot of players that have been around, so you knew the team heading into fall camp pretty well. Did anybody step up and emerge that may have surprised you from the beginning of camp to the end of camp?
8: Well, I, you know, we have some guys that we've been around here a lot. We've, we've also got guys that have transferred in. So I think there's been both. There's been some transfers that have really come in and thought, man, they, they're playing above the standard that we kind of expected. Christian Williams being one of those guys, Josh Landry being one of those guys. Um, you know. The, the, but the, the, there's some other guys like Connor Tolson at the center position or uh, uh, Cody Schrader at the running back position who have really stepped up and expanded their roles and in, in, uh, our ability to count on them.
2: And you've talked a lot uh, going all the way back to last year about the depth of your receiving core. Relative to what you've had here in the past, how deep is this group of receivers?
8: You know, I feel like we're six deep. I feel like there's six guys that at any moment can be on the field, and we feel very confident in their ability to make plays for us, being there in tough situations. Obviously, um, you know, the more depth you have, the the more opportunity that you can challenge uh, the opposing team. Uh, with consistently attacking and throwing the football and so you know we'll see a lot of it's all chatter right now I'm kind of to the point now where it's about time to prove it and uh, our team needs to go out and prove it on Thursday
3: well let's talk about your opponent coach what sort of challenges does Louisiana Tech pose
8: Well, the first challenge is we don't know what they're going to do. I mean, you got an offense, defense, and special teams that you've never seen their players in that scheme before, and so that's a real challenge to not be able to have tape and say, hey, this is this guy's technique. This is what he does. They have returning starters, but they don't have them within the the framework of what their scheme has been, and so that's a really difficult challenge. You know, this is a team that played, uh, you know, they didn't go to a bowl game last year, but I think they got beat by Mississippi State by maybe two points. Uh, had a chance to beat NC State, which was a, a nine-win team last year, and then got beat on a hail mary versus SMU. So they're not going to be intimidated. Um, they're going to come in there with the expectation that they can they belong in our field, and so we're going to have to go out there and prove it and beat them.
2: Coach, uh, we've talked before about you being in the same division as the national championships. Champion team. So they want to come into Louisiana tech wants to come into Mizzou and prove that they belong on a field with Mizzou. How close is Mizzou being able to be, how how close are you to being able to go on a field with Georgia and, and competing with Georgia?
8: I have no idea. (laughs) I don't have any idea what they have. Um, I know that we have a team that's going to be competitive. I feel strongly about our ability to compete this year, but every game takes a life of its own. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know. My assumption would be we're better, um, but Kirby stacked about six top ten, cl- top five classes in a row. So we got some work to do.
2: Hey, we've talked to you in the past during the off season about your diet. One time you were working on an oatmeal diet, and yeah. you work a lot because you're the offensive coordinator and the head coach. You've got all these media <laughs> duties. You've got to deal with the, with the administration. So, what's the season look like for Eli Drinkwitz in regards to taking care of yourself?
6: Huh.
8: Well, I'm, a am a binge eater. Um, so I do work out in the mornings. Um, I, I get an, a, this kind of sounds braggy, but I get in here and I, you can't tell cause my body is still got a dad bod. but I get in here every day and work out, uh, get a weight workout four days a week, get on the elliptical six days a week. Um, yeah, but the problem is I eat whatever I want, which is like cinnamon rolls and trash and, and, uh, i love good crumble cookie you know i've never turned down a, a sonic blast so you know a blizzard from dairy queen when we're watching a tuesday practice is is like the way to top off the day so it's a it's a real balancing act for sure
3: you know what we call that coach playing for the tie
8: yeah exactly we
3: play for <laughs> exactly. the exactly and when yeah. when you're eating does that include any any luther bird and chips
8: yeah i've been known to eat a bunch of those <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're delicious, hot honey barbecue. Who knew that was even a flavor? Um, but they—they are—they are tremendous chips. And—and and, um, again, it's an opportunity to display. You know, you may not be able to go out and, and donate a thousand dollars to one of our players, but man, if you can go buy a bag of chips, um, that's a big deal. That's a big deal for our football program and our players. And it's a, really a signal to uh, to uh, recruits too. Because there's some guys out there that maybe chose to go to other schools that are calling back and asking, can they mm-hmm. get chips? now nah, <laughs> nah, you gotta, you got to come to the University of Missouri to get put on display for the University of Missouri. And so that's uh, that, that's exciting for us. Safe to assume
2: that we will see Luther Burden catch a pass in the first half of that game against La Tech, at least be targeted by Brady
8: Cook? No idea. No idea. I mean, if he gets the opportunity, he gets the opportunity. Um, he, he's a really talented player. Um but he understands it's about the team, and, and uh, we're never going to put anybody's individual accolades or, or success above the team. And so if he has a chance to, to help us because he creates a one-on-one matchup and the ball calls for him to go there, then absolutely. If they double-team him on, all night, then we got to run the ball. And uh, he's got to be the best double-team decoy in the world.
2: Eli, we're looking forward to it next Thursday night. La Tech visiting Faroe Field. It should be great. It should be a fantastic atmosphere, and we hope people make their way to Columbia. We always like having you on the show. Thanks so much for the time, and we'll talk to you soon. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. That is the head coach of the University of Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz, joining us here on 101 ESPN. I'm predicting that early on that Brady Cook does target Luther Burden for a pass.
3: And everyone in the city of Missouri will lose their minds. Yes, Can't they will. Can't wait to see that.
2: Yeah. I, I always go back to Dick Vermeil and and Mike Martz, actually. It was more Mike before that NFC Championship game against, not NFC Championship game, the first playoff game here. And it was going to be Isaac or it was going to be Torrey. And it was probably going to be Isaac because the, the safety came off on Isaac and Isaac beat it anyway. By the way, welcome to town, Isaac. He's in town for his gala tonight. Yes. But everybody in the world knew they were going to throw the ball to Isaac Bruce on the first play of a playoff game. That's just... He deserved it. And I would think that if you're recruiting in Missouri and you're recruiting around the country and that game's on TV and you just got the number one recruit in the country, you want to show that guy off.
3: Yeah, you don't buy a Lamborghini to keep it in the in the garage.
2: Exactly. No doubt about it.
3: You take that bad boy out for a spin.
2: Thanks to Eli for joining us. Coming up next, we've got the fight. I think Mitch is back, right? He beat yep. me on Wednesday, so he's back today here on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on character and Smallman. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive.
3: 833 in St. Louis, that time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's time for the Friday edition of The Fight. Yesterday, we had Kevin in, in studio to challenge Randy in the fight. He beat Randy on behalf of the Wingding competition. But prior to that, on Wednesday, Mitch was Randy's opponent in the fight, and Mitch Mitch actually beat Randy. But because we already had Kevin scheduled, Mitch was kind enough to take his second fight on Friday. So Mitch is back with us. He is hoping to win today and have a shot at the Hall of Fame on Monday. Good morning, Mitch. How you doing? Hey, pretty good. Are you ready to take on Randy again?
5: i am i'm a little worried i'm gonna be dealing with an angry randy but uh yeah why yeah.
3: do you, why do you think he'd be angry because he's lost two days in a row
7: the two in a row yeah that's for sure yeah, yeah.
3: that's probably what you're dealing with mitch i hate to bring i hate to agree with you but Randy does not like to lose and he lost back to back which is very rare so you're gonna have a beast on your hands today i know it <laughs> all right here we go mitch good luck question number one who is the last wear? oh my goodness it's friday Question number one, who is the last player to win a batting triple crown in the National League? Is it Barry Bonds, Joe Medwick, or Larry Walker?
5: Wow. Um, Let's go with Medwick. Since 1990, only two NBA players have had a season where they averaged higher than 34 points per game. One of them is Kobe Bryant, RIP. Who is the other player? Was that Hakeem Olajuwon, Carl Malone, or James Harden? Uh, Let's go with Harden.
3: Happy birthday to Jamal Lewis. Where did the Super Bowl winner and 2,000-yard rusher go to college? Georgia, Miami, or Tennessee?
7: Let's go
5: with uh, Miami. All right, and Chet Holmgren will become the fifth top three pick to miss his entire rookie year since 2006. Who was the only one of the previous four not to bounce back and earn multiple all-star selections in their career? Is that Ben Simmons, Blake Griffin, or Greg Oden? Uh, Greg
3: Oden. <laughs> we checked the score. We've confirmed the score. Where
5: we don't have is
3: record. Randy? Do you see him? Is he in the hallway? We've lost him. We're going to vamp here for a second because I think Randy might have gone down to get his phone out of his car. Because he does not have a purse, as we talked about earlier. And he doesn't have a place Could to put his fun. That's right, Mitch. If he would have just had the merc, we wouldn't be dealing with this. We would have Randy ready to go and near the studio. But Mitch, you've done the fight once. You did very well. How do you think you did this time?
7: Uh, not great.
3: Is there one particular question that you didn't feel super great on?
7: Uh, when it comes to basketball questions, I usually don't do very good. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, the Jamal Lewis one, I had no, no clue.
3: Well... I'll, I'll tell you this you got one of those two correct one of the oh, two Oh, fantastic yeah you did better fantastic. than you thought oh here comes Randy as he's trotting in
0: <laughs>
3: oh he has his phone in hand he has his phone in hand Randy as you get settled you might remember Mitch Kevin Beachy yeah, Mitch, yesterday you yeah. Mitch beachy the day before
2: uh-huh yeah hi Mitch how you doing hey buddy good to have you with us Randy listen thanks for playing
3: I've did you go down to get your phone out of your I car? Did. You did? I'm glad you got it.
2: But then I left my wallet in the studio, so I didn't
3: have my key card.
5: Oh, no. <laughs> he was stuck in the lobby. Yeah, Nobody, nobody
3: there to let me in. <laughs> you know what? I am glad that Matt Rocchio went to look for you, Randy. Me too. I, I, I would have never gone out there to get you.
4: I was happy about it.
3: Are you ready to go, Randy? As ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> I've never seen Randy Kerker run to a microphone before. This is amazing. Question number one. Who is the last player to win a batting Triple Crown in the National League?
2: I believe that was 1937, and that would have been Joe Ducky Medwick of your St. Louis Cardinals.
3: <laughs> Since
5: 1990, only two NBA players have had a season where they averaged higher than 34 points per game. One was Kobe, RIP. Who is the other?
2: Since 1990. Since
5: 1990.
2: Higher than 34 a game. Kobe was one of them. Um 1990. I'm thinking
5: Iverson might have been a guy. I'll go with the lifeline, though. Was it Hakeem Olajuwon, Carl Malone, or James Harden? Oh, James Harden.
3: Happy birthday to Jamal Lewis. Where did the Super Bowl winner and 2,000-yard rusher go to college?
2: I believe he went to the University of Tennessee, Knoxville.
5: Chet Holmgren will become the fifth top three NBA pick to miss his entire rookie year since hey, 2006. Hey, we want Greg
2: Oden.
5: Who is the only one of the previous four to not bounce back and earn multiple all-star selections in their career. Hey, we want Greg Oden. <laughs> we got a song, I think.
3: i haven't played that song in quite some time.
2: Yeah, we got to get that going.
3: Randy lost back to back. A rarity here on the fight on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Did he lose three in a row? Is Randy going to sail into the weekend in a bad mood? Perhaps a foul mood? Or did he get get back in the saddle? Matt, ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. I forgot what that sounded like, Randy. It's been a minute. Yeah, me too. I'm kidding. Randy, you lose two in a row, and then you come back ferociously with the jack. Congratulations. Mitch, you did outstanding. You got three correct. It was a 4-3 to victory for Randy.
7: Yeah, I kind of saw that coming.
3: (laughs) Well, let's run through our answer. So the last player to win the Triple Crown, the batting Triple Crown in the National League, was Joe Medwick, as Randy mentioned, in 1937. Did you know that the Cardinals have three of the four all-time National League Triple Crown winners?
5: Wow, good stat. Hornsby, Hornsby, Medwick, and then there's some other random guy in there.
3: Hornsby, Mm. Hornsby, Medwick. Shout out to the birds. Maybe Goldie. And Paul Goldschmidt. Soon. Since 1990, only two NBA players have had a season where they averaged higher than 34 points per game. One is Kobe, the other is James Harden, who had 36 points per game in the 2018-19 season. Jamal Lewis, Super Bowl winner and 2,000-yard rusher, went to college at Tennessee. Go Vols. Chad Holmgren will become the fifth top three NBA pick to miss his entire rookie year since 2006. The only one of the previous four not to bounce back and earn multiple all-star selections was our boy Greg Oden.
2: Who was taken one spot ahead of Kevin Durant.
0: Oh
3: yikes. Mitch, thank you for listening. Thanks for playing. Have an awesome weekend.
2: You guys too. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate you playing. Uh, There is a great event. You talk about bringing things back for us. We were talking about Back to the Future earlier because uh, we were talking about Tua, right? And maybe the Dolphins bringing things back to the future. Well, I was one of those kids that grew up watching wrestling at the Chase on Sunday mornings and. Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins is here, and he is a renaissance man, clearly. (laughs) A guy who is- uh, You're
9: you're too kind, my friend. uh, How you doing? Good to see you. I'm great.
2: Thanks. Good to see you too. So obviously the Smashing Pumpkins are a resounding success, one of the best known bands anywhere, but you're also interested in wrestling and you're bringing Wrestling at the Chase back?
9: Yeah, we came uh, back last year for the first time in 37 years, so we're here for a second year. National Wrestling Alliance I bought, it's the oldest professional wrestling organization in the world. Going into our 75th year, which is crazy of continuous operation. We're competing against the big guys, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, in the WWE and now AEW. And so it's a robust and exciting market and being here in St. Louis, the hub of Basically, the spiritual hub of the NWA, bringing wrestling back to the Chase, is a big deal.
2: How familiar are you with wrestling, with what it was, with wrestling at the Chase?
9: Well, I grew up in Chicago, so I've, I had to get an education on that after I bought the National Wrestling Alliance. I realized how important that 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 show and that what that meant in terms of local culture, and in fact, some of the most important. Uh, things that ever happened in NWA history actually happened at the chase. Uh, and, and uh, was it the Kiel auditorium? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've had to kind of get my education in that. Cause in Chicago, we had a different kind of flavor. We had AWA with the Gagnés coming down and Dick the Bruiser um, had, I think, WWA. So, yeah. So it's a, uh, you know, you, you, as I once, I once went with one of the Ricketts, the owners of the Cubs, and I asked them, "Hey, do you have a big storage of memorabilia from all those years of the Cubs?" He said, "We don't have a thing." Mm. When uh-huh. I bought the NWA, all I got was basically the three letters. It's not <laughs> like I got, you know, so, no, nobody sat me down and said, "Here's the NWA culture." The NWA had kind of fallen into a form of disrepair, so we've re- rebuilt it up to a, you know, to an international force again. And in like in the main event, Tyrus of Fox News, who was a wrestler before he was a commentator on the Gutfeld show, he's in the main event against a local guy in Trevor Murdoch. So bringing top flight wrestling back to the chase and bringing, you know, an international pay-per-view from St. Louis to the world is really a big deal.
3: So if no one gave you the handbook and said, this is the culture of the NWA, you got, you kind of got to build it yourself. So what is the culture that you wanted to build and that you've brought back to wrestling?
9: You know, what's interesting, when you buy something like the NWA, there's a lot of opinions that come in. Oh, it should be this, oh, it should be that. I kind of had my own opinions, but what's interesting is I've circled around in the five years that I've owned the company back to what the NWA was originally intended to be about, which is more of a, it's an open door policy for wrestlers to come and go. You try to bring in the best talent at any given time. And we really kind of play smash mouth football basically, but on the wrestling side, we have some of the biggest, toughest people in the industry. I think we have easily seven to 10 wrestlers at any given time who are over, over six, six and 350 pounds. Wow. So we're like a football team. Right,
2: right. right. Are there things that you can take from the music industry and the the entertainment aspect of
9: music and apply it to wrestling? Yes, sir. Yeah, I think what you have to realize about professional wrestling is what people love about professional wrestling is the same thing they love about a big game, the Super Bowl, something. It's like they want to be there because they want to see history made. And you have to really understand that that's sort of the foundational basis of a concert. Like we're here in November uh, at the arena. can't believe it. Smashing Pumpkins going in 35 years, still playing arenas, right? Here I am resting at the chase. It's all about creating moments. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing about the NWA is not only are we our history, we're still making history. So when you put those pieces together, that's what brings people into the into the auditorium to see a, to see a show. They want to feel like they're part of that history.
2: And what about the calendar? How can people get in to see wrestling at the Chase, or hopefully at some point even bigger venues?
9: Very easy. Um, the shows on on Saturday and Sunday here in, in St. Louis are on Ticketmaster. So please come. We'd love to see you. And again, you know, we're taking this pay per view to the world. We want St. Louis to show out. We know it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year for a lot of people, uh, but St. Louis in particular because of the flooding. So we're very sensitive to that, and we want to put on a great show for everybody.
3: Where did your love for wrestling come from? When did you first fall in love with wrestling or want to get involved with it?
9: Well, uh, it's a life thing, but uh, I ended up living with a great-grandmother who was in her 80s when I was a small child, and for some reason, she liked professional wrestling. She barely spoke English, so I just remember <laughs> her yelling in German at the television, <laughs> right? And, you know, when you're a kid, those memories kind of seal in your head. Yeah. And I just remember this 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 you know this 80-year-old woman sort of screaming and shaking her fist at the television. <laughs> I had no idea what she was saying, because <laughs> she was mad at something that had happened. And that's my first memory of professional wrestling wrestling.
2: Billy Corrigan of the Smashing Pumpkins is bringing back a lot of people's childhood, which is really cool. As somebody who grew up watching every Sunday morning, watching Wrestling at the Chase, and so many people that are tuned in did the exact same thing. We can't thank you enough for doing that and uh, coming on the show. We appreciate it.
9: Thanks. And we hope to see everybody. Thank you so much for having
2: me. Thanks, Billy. See you later. Billy Corrigan from the Smashing Pumpkins and <laughs> Wrestling at the Chase on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we're going to talk some hockey with Jeremy Rutherford on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101
4: ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. We had a great get-together last
2: night with our friends that support Blues Hockey here on 101 ESPN, it was over at Blueberry Hill in the Duck Room. And the entire staff was there, including our Blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, who joins us now here on 101 ESPN. JR, how are you doing this morning?
7: Doing real well. What a show. You never know what you're going to get. I think, uh, you know, the fight's going to be over and you guys are going to give me a call. And all of a sudden you got Billy Corgan on the in the studio. That's amazing.
6: JR, <laughs>
3: That's are amazing. you a Smashing Pumpkins fan?
7: You know, I am. I am. But you know who's a bigger Smashing Pumpkin fan than myself? Who? Blues owner Tom Stillman. No, really? Yeah. Wow,
3: that's surprising.
7: <laughs> he is. He's been to a show, and uh, I think he already told me he's going to the one later the year later this year that uh, Billy referenced. Yeah, he'll so, be back I'll in November. Pumpkins fan. Oh, that's yeah, cool. you think he gets good seats for that? I I think he knows a
2: guy. uh, Yeah, yeah, over at Enterprise Center, no doubt about it. Hey, JR, we are, as we mentioned a couple of days ago, uh, we are less than a month away from the Vert Blues' first preseason game, and we wondered right after the... Uh, draft if this would be the Blues roster and apparently it is going to be the group of Blues players that they take to camp are you going to look at anybody in particular especially young guys that have a chance to either step up their role or step up their position with this team
7: yeah, let's talk about two guys in particular, and we're only talking about the young guys. I mean, we've talked uh, ad nauseum, you know, about what we think this uh, top nine group can do, mm-hmm. uh, the top four defense. But I think that you look at a couple guys, Jake Neighbors. Uh, you know, if he comes in like he did last year, does he help kind of fill some of that void from David Prine leaving? Now he's not going to go out and score 27 goals, and he's not going to set up shop over on the dot and score the power play goals that David Prine did. Uh, but I think if Jake Neighbors can come in and and play a, a third line role, and I heard. Uh, I heard Jamie Rivers say yesterday, you know, 10 goals. You know, you're not asking this guy to uh, to do a ton, but if he can come in and just get settled, I think that that would be a big uh, add for the Blues. And then the other guy, Scott Prinovich. I know that the Blues defense is pretty much set. You still like a guy like a Nico Mikola, but I think that what we saw from Scott Prinovich guys in the playoffs last year, especially on that power play coming in and filling in for Torrey Krug, uh, looking for him to see what he can do this year too.
2: JR one of the other guys that I'm looking at as camp begins I just want to see Logan Brown from the beginning of a training camp especially after an off season understanding what the blues want and being a part of their
7: culture That's another good one yeah if you were doing probably three guys Logan Brown would be on that list too the one thing that uh, you know I just don't know about yet until we get into camp is you know how are they going to construct that third and fourth line and then of the fourth line guys like in the past, they've said that they didn't want to play Logan Brown on the fourth line. So are they going to give him a chance on that third line? And they like him at center. Or are they going to give him a chance on the wing? So that's the only thing that I, I think I need to see before you start talking about, you know, what can he do for this team? I mean, the one thing they did, you know, Doug Armstrong didn't do a lot this offseason. But the one thing he did was he brought in a lot of fourth line guys. So there's going to be some competition there. But uh, Logan Brown did get some games last year. They liked him, you know, when he was in there. So I'm guessing that they'll give him a good chance.
3: Jared, it's hard to believe, but we're less than a month away from the Blues' first preseason game on September 24th. And it it seems like every day we open the show talking about the Cardinals and the run that they're on. And we're talking about Albert Pujols hitting home runs. And that's going to be right down the stretch and into the playoffs for the Cardinals when the Blues get things started. Do you think that the Blues' start to the season will be overshadowed a little bit by what the Cardinals and specifically Albert Pujols are doing?
7: Yeah, and I suppose, uh, you know, they won't mind that. And look, for years it was that way with all the uh, Cardinals playoff runs, right? And, uh, you know, some people with hockey, although it starts in early October, you know, you you think like uh, November, December, it starts to get cold. You start to get to that hockey weather. That's when they really start to pay attention. But I've heard a lot of people in the last few weeks, I mean, you've already seen the blue social media, you know, Colton Preko, 55 Days count down until the season starts, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, I think it is gearing up. But, yeah, with holes and his home run chase and the Cardinals and the potential to make the playoffs, the Blues might get a couple weeks a month there where all the eyes are down the street. Uh, but uh, saying that, uh, you know, every year it seems about this time, it's almost like going back to school. I always every year, this is my 18th year doing this. Everybody's getting it up for school. They're doing their school shopping. Well, right now, everywhere I go, everybody's talking about getting this blue season started.
2: Chair, a lot of uh, the response that we get is concern about the Blues even making the playoffs. If they're healthy, and that's a big if all the time, but if the Blues are healthy, do you have concern about them being able to make the playoffs in the West?
7: No, I think they, they should be okay. And You look around the West, and uh, definitely some, some changes. Uh, you look at uh, Calgary. Definitely, they're two top guys, uh, Kachuk and Goudreau, gone, but they bring in Huberto and Kadri. And, you know, some things changed. I think, around the West, but I still see the Blues in that top four or five teams. You know, I'm not going to go as far as to say uh, top three, but definitely – in that mix of the top five teams. And, you know, you say if healthy, obviously that's the key with every single team. But, yes, if healthy, this is a really good team. I mean, you look at last year and we talk about the playoffs, losing Jordan Bennington. Well, you also had a banged up Braden Chen. You also didn't have a Tory Krug out there. Uh, there were a number of players that I think if, if they had them and they were healthy, and, again, you can say that for other teams, you know, maybe we see a different finish. So I really do believe that even though there weren't, ads this summer and in fact you lose a David prawn I think this team still can stay in that conversation
2: jr you mentioned the flames if I'm a flames fan and th- they were not going to be able to keep Johnny hockey he was going and they were going to lose him for nothing and then next year Matthew kachuk was going to go for nothing and then I start this season with Kadri with Huberdo and then on the uh, on the blue line they've got Weger added I feel really good if I'm a flames fan under the circumstances, about what my team is heading into this season?
7: Under the circumstances, tremendous. I mean, it was a great off season. Like, if you were going into that offseason as a Flames fan, even as the GM, Brad, traveling, and you thought, gosh, I mean, if we lose both of these guys, what could, could we be? And now you're going to start the season with Huberto, Wiegert, uh, Kadri, these guys, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not it can't be much of a drop-off. And I remember I was on Calgary Radio. They were asking about the Kachuk situation, and they said, you know, what do you think? that the Flames should do, like the best package they're going to get back from a team is probably going to be assets, but that means starting over. Those Flames fans up there waited so long to finally get to the point where they got last year and then to fall back would have been pretty devastating. So, you know, uh, good for those fans and that organization to be able to to bring in some players that are going to be able to stabilize and and keep that thing going. Might not be what it was last year with Goodrow and and Kachuk, but uh, get some pretty good players back.
3: J.R., I want to go back to goaltending for a second with the reemergence of Jordan Biddington down the stretch and in the playoffs, the Blues felt comfortable moving on from Husso. And a lot is going to be placed on Jordan Biddington's shoulders this season. But tell us about Thomas Grice and what, what Blues fans can expect from him when they see him between the pipes.
7: Yeah, I had a chance to talk to him on the phone a couple days ago and uh, should have a story out uh, maybe over the weekend or Monday at the latest. But, uh, yeah, spent about 20 minutes talking to him, and he's excited. Now, listen, you know, I, I don't think that Blues fans are – Necessarily used to, you know, a journeyman. I know Chad Johnson was here a few years ago, but, you know, Thomas Grice, 36 years old, played with a few teams, thought that this might be the end after two uh, years in Detroit playing with a rebuilding team. The numbers weren't that great, but he wanted to continue playing. He said he didn't want to go out with a bad taste in his mouth. He said that. St. Louis was his first choice when it became available. And so, uh, Billy Huso goes to Detroit. Thomas Grace comes to St. Louis. He's already in town, guys. He's been here for a month. He said he's taking shots from Tarasenko and Preco for the past few weeks out at Centene. Uh, he said he's glad that uh, he doesn't have to see that Tarasenko shot in the game anymore. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens because he is 36, and, you know, he's not going to be Billy Huso 26, 27, pushing Jordan Bennington for starts and things like that. But, you know, I'm willing to give him a chance. You know, at, based on the conversation I had with him, that he, he really feels like his body's in good shape. Uh, and the one thing that his trainer told me was that uh, his birth certificate is a lot older than his body is.
2: <laughs> okay, good. Hey, Jr. One more thing. Last night we were at the event. Louis was there, and obviously Louis doesn't talk. We know that. But it struck me that I've never seen Louis have anything to eat. Does Louis eat? <laughs>
7: Well, I, uh, I I ate Louie's food, so he didn't have a chance because uh, we <laughs> we all had a plate, and I took Louie's plate. No, I don't know. Uh, I did do a story at the Athletic a couple years ago during the uh, pandemic, when Louis sat down with him, and, yeah, it's kind of hard to do an interview with somebody that can't talk. And um, We were at uh, Mom's Deli that day, so I'm trying to remember if he did have a good Mom's Deli sandwich or not. I'll have to think about that.
2: Well, I have to go back and check your notes. <laughs> JR, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next Week.
7: All right. Great job on the fight. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys later.
2: Thank you, Jeremy. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from the Athletic. Coming up, we're going to talk some football. We've got three questions about the Seattle
1: Seahawks. Next on
2: One Hundred and One ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carrick and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred and One ESPN.
4: Have any other questions for me, Counselor? I don't really understand your question. Why are you
0: fooling me? I'm right. It's a question. That's a
4: clown question,
1: bro.
0: Then shalt thou count to three. No more, no less.
1: And now, it's time for three questions on the Seattle Seahawks.
2: As you know, we're a Miami Dolphins show, and (laughs) last year, the name of our team in the Big League Impact Fantasy Football League was just the Tua Us, and we didn't make the playoffs, so we're changing the team name, but we'd like to keep it kind of like with a Dolphin Slant, and it can have Tua involved, like Tua Fast, Tua Furious, or something like that, but we can use Jalen Waddle's name, or we can use...
5: any Waddle's a good one. If you put yeah. Waddle in there, you're going you're yep. to immediately curry my favor.
2: Mike Gusecki is their tight end. Chase Edmonds is a running back. So if you have a name, we're going to pick two at the end of the show to win tickets to see the Eagles on November 15th at Enterprise Center. They're going to perform Hotel California in its entirety, plus a greatest hit set as well. Tickets on sale now for that Hotel California tour. You can also text in to 65780 for your chance to win free tickets or find a bonus chance to win free tickets now at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 ESPN mobile app. But the big thing right now is to think of a good fantasy football name for us. And we're going to pick the two favorites of us three. And uh, by the end of the show, we'll have given out some Eagles tickets, two pairs of Eagles tickets, and picked a name and we'll put it up on a poll to pick the winner.
3: We're going to pick the Tua oh, names wow. that we oh. like. The best oh best two names. Yep not
2: help myself no, it's yeah, just it's kind of like a that.
5: car crash you just you can't look away it's just kind of has to happen how to do it
2: all right three questions about the seattle seahawks number
1: one
5: we have a little bit of a patriots west situation brewing in seattle ironically enough with a former patriots coach pete carroll and russell wilson won a super bowl together but no longer they are divorced they are split up so that super bowl and all of that success around those great seattle seahawks teams was it russell wilson or was it pete carroll and how will we find out this season
2: Michelle, Pete Carroll built a team that beat the Rams at the end of the 2009 season, 2010 season, Sam Bradford's rookie year. And they had Charlie Whitehurst at quarterback. And then they got Russell Wilson and they got over the hump.
3: Oh, clipboard Jesus.
2: Yeah, it was unbelievable.
3: Um, And they also had Tavares
2: Jackson on that team and made the playoffs with Tavares Jackson and Charlie Whitehurst. But they didn't get over the hump until they got Uh, Russell, But here's the thing. The Legion of Boom was already in its formative stages. Mm -hmm. And as great as Russell Wilson was, that team that won the Super Bowl was great because of their defense. So I'm going to say that Pete Carroll did it, but he's not going to be able to do it again.
3: I think Pete Carroll was more responsible for the overall success of the Seahawks during their tenure. But just like the divorce between Belichick and Brady, Brady went to a better situation in the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Bucks. Russell Wilson is going to a better situation in Denver than Pete Carroll has in Seattle. So when we're trying to discern in the aftermath of the breakup who was more responsible for the success, it's going to be hard for Pete Carroll to emerge, at least right now, looking like he was more of a reason than Russ. Because I imagine Russ will go to Denver. He will have some success. It's going to be tough for Seattle to have success this season. And so even if Pete Carroll was more of a contributor than Russell Wilson was, because holistically he assembled and... and and built the culture and the scheme of that team Mm -hmm. and helped Russell Wilson become Russell Wilson, I don't think at the end of this season we're going to be giving Pete Carroll a ton of credit. We're going to be talking about how Russell Wilson has proved that he's still one of the the best quarterbacks in the NFL.
2: Maybe the question, maybe we don't have the right guy. Maybe Marshawn should be on this list.
3: (laughs) He's just here so he won't get fined.
5: Yeah. Number
10: two.
3: Number two, the question the quarterback battle. Geno
5: Smith got the first look. Drew Locke not looking really great. Before I get your guys' answer on if Drew Locke is the answer, we're gonna go to Seattle Sports 710 reporter Stacy Ross. She joined Freddie and Fitzsimmons uh, yesterday to talk about why uh, well why she might not be the biggest Drew Locke fan in the NFL right now.
0: More people than you think
7: are really excited about what Drew Locke can be. I don't know why. I don't know if they never watched Denver Broncos games. (laughs) That's me. I'm Stacy. I'm in that club. (laughs) Right? I don't know why. I don't know what they were missing. Maybe it was a cable issue. But, like, (laughs) Drew Locke does not make anyone in camp very excited. He has not shown at any point that he is exceptionally better than Geno Smith. If anything, Drew Locke makes one or two throws, especially these little sidearm throws he makes where you think, wow, I can see why the Broncos took a shot on this guy. I can see why people loved him so much in college. And then he does the same thing, but the pass goes to not someone on his team. And you think, oh, I get it. Like, I totally get now why he was benched, because he makes just as many weird decisions as he does cool throws once in a while.
5: So, (laughs) Michelle and Randy, do you agree with Stacey Ross? Is Drew Locke going to be a problem for the Seahawks this year?
2: Sounds like he's already had his last chance
3: yeah first of all shout out to my girl stacy joe ross who's (laughs) killing it up in seattle seriously great to hear from her on our show but pete carroll already came out and said not only is geno smith the number one quarterback but that he's been the number one quarterback all along he said geno's been the number one guy the whole time he's held on to it and i'm sorry durlach i i think you have a lot of swag i love that you can rap young Jeezy. but if you can't beat out geno smith to be the number 1 quarterback on a bad Seattle Seahawks team, your time is done my man.
2: Absolutely.
5: Anytime the team reporters chuckling on national radio mm. when they asked, hey, "Is he going to win the starting job?" <laughs> not at all. He sucks. Yeah. That's that's not a good sign. Number 3. And number 3, well, they have some competition, but without a good quarterback and with a roster that's been depleted since those highs of the Legion of Boom, are the Seattle Seahawks about to be the worst team in the NFL? Michelle it's been a long time and it's kind of
2: sad because the Seahawks under Mike Holmgren and then Pete Carroll took over they had a left a Hall of Fame left side of their offensive line but since Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson left they have not had a good offensive line they're going to play a rookie first rounder charles cross at left tackle this, this year damian lewis just got hurt he was their best offensive lineman last year and he's going to be out for a time the rams had no use for austin Blythe. he's the center uh, the rams and the chiefs had no use for austin Blythe. This is going to be their starting center gabe jackson who couldn't cut it in uh, vegas is going to be their right guard and then somebody named jake Curthon uh, who arrived on the scene last year as a free agent, is from the CFL, he's going to be the right tackle. No, they are they have nothing going for them. They have Geno Smith, Chris Carson had to retire. I can say they have, they, they have uh, DK Metcalf. I was going to say he's got yeah. some
3: weapons to throw to.
2: But he can't throw it to them because he's not accurate. I wonder, and he's going to get sacked a lot.
3: What about Randy when Jimmy Garoppolo ends up in Seattle? Are we singing a different tune?
2: We might sing a little bit different tune until he gets hurt because of that offensive line. <laughs> And by the way, they don't have an awful lot defensively either. They, The Legion of Boom is no more. They have Quandre Diggs at safety and Jamal Adams at safety. Otherwise, they really don't have a very good, they don't have a standout face of the defense, defensive player, uh, outside of their two safeties. And it's a hard way to build a defense when you start with your safeties and then everything falls off after that.
3: The Seattle Seahawks had such a firm identity for so long, and I know that, coming out of Seattle they're saying it's not a reload it's not it's not a reload well when Russell Wilson isn't there and Bobby Wagner isn't there and Marshawn Lynch isn't there and the Legion of Boom isn't there I know you have some good pieces in, in Lockett and DK Metcalf you're reloading you're you're yep. completely stripping rebuilding. everything down and you're rebuilding yes not reloading rebuilding and I don't think they're gonna be the worst team in the NFL Randy but I don't think they're I think they're gonna be competing for the Battle of the Basement
2: is there somebody who I don't think anybody in the AFC West I don't think Jacksonville's gonna be that maybe Houston will be that bad again?
3: Yeah, Houston won't be good. Um
2: Jets will be bad again, right?
3: Yes, the Jets will be bad oh, the Washington. Giants, Washington's the Giants a disaster Washington area. Um the Bears exist. Yeah. The Bears yeah. are so gonna be bad. The,
2: yeah, so Seattle will absolutely be in the photo for worst team in the league. No doubt about it. They're they're pretty bad. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, Don Coryell is the coaching finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We're going to talk to one of his players and a Hall of Famer himself, Dan Deardorff, next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: The leader of Don Coryell's high-powered attack was Jim Hart, who had his greatest season ever. Hart led the conference in fewest time sacked, lowest interception percentage, and the most touchdown passes.
4: He threw 20, most of the spectacular variety. The biggest single factor in the Cards' great season was their superb offensive line. Their forte was pass protection, for Jim Hart was sacked less than any quarterback in the NFL and had ample time to allow his receivers to get downfield for his long passes.
2: Oh, NFL Films is great. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us, and always great to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line when Pro Football Hall of Famer and Our Town's Dan Dierdorf is standing by. Daniel, good morning. How are you doing?
10: Oh, good morning. How's everybody?
2: Everybody's good. Okay, I want to start with this because we heard that. We heard about the sack record that you guys set, and was that 1975? And the, the offensive line, there was one that they weren't responsible for, correct?
10: Yes, So. Well, actually, uh, uh, the funny part about that season is we went the first seven games without a single sack. And, and that was a 14 game season back then. And there we were at the halfway mark and Jim hadn't been sacked one time. And it, it, it was, it was, it it was heck of an accomplishment, but it also started to become a bit of a, of an albatross and, and finally, uh, I believe Terry Metcalf missed the blitz pickup, and we got our first sack, and everybody was semi-relieved, I think.
2: <laughs> and then there was one that was a uh, uh, was it a bad
10: snap on a field goal that Roger Worley had? No, it was a fake field goal. Okay. And Jim Bakken took off running with the ball <laughs> and got trapped behind the line of scrimmage. And NFL, back then it was the Elias Sports Bureau, uh, they reviewed it and ruled it a sack. We were, we were furious. We were, we were really upset. And then one of them, and one of our sacks—if you can believe this—were mopping up against the New York Jets, and uh, uh, they put in the backup quarterback, uh, a guy named Gary Keithley, mm-hmm. and he audibles to a pass. When we're up like thirty-five to seven at Shea Stadium, and he takes, he gets sacked. And honest to God, I had to keep Conrad Dobler from beating him to death at the fifty-yard line at at Shea Stadium. Now I should have let Conrad go because that would have been a moment that would have lived in NFL films history. It would have been, it would have been spectacular. An offensive guard. Beating his own quarterback with his dead, (laughs) lifeless body. It would have been...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Hey, Dan... I should
10: have let him go. (laughs) uh, I know
2: how you feel about Don Coriel's viability for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And it looks now, he's the only coaching finalist. He needs 80% of the vote to get in. It looks like when a guy gets to that point, he's going to get in. But a lot of people that weren't he, Michelle wasn't even born when Don Coryell was coaching. What right. makes Don Coryell a Hall of Famer?
10: Well, it's 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 not his coaching record in terms of, you know, Super Bowls won and things like that because he never did win a Super Bowl. And uh, you know, there are other coaches in the Hall of Fame like Marv Levy and Bud Grant that that never won a Super Bowl. Uh, but, but what Don Coryell makes him so deserving is, uh, his innovations. And when you, when you were so creative and you came up with a system that was so simple to execute and teach that at one point in time, more than half the teams in the national football league were running the Don Coryell offense, his passing tree, the same numbers, the same terminology. Heck, you had players that could be traded to one of a dozen different teams, and they and they wouldn't even skip a beat because it was exa- exactly the same offense. That's, that's why Don Correale deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. This is his last best shot, and I'll be devastated if, if he doesn't get voted in.
3: Dan, what was that like for you when he came to the Cardinals? You, you guys weren't the team that you were hoping to be at the time. Then Don Coryell comes in and he changes everything. But what was that like to be a part of that team and realize, wow, he's transforming us?
10: Well, it didn't take very long. Uh, if you can believe it, we actually had a coach that thought Gary Quazo was a better quarterback than Jim Hart. And, and he benched t- uh, Jim Hart. He benched Jim Hart in favor of Tim Van Gelder. And Tim was one of my best friends, but I'm sorry. Uh, That's insanity. And so Don comes in. So not only is he a breath of fresh air, because he was there for maybe three or four minutes after watching Jim Hart throw the football to realize what he had, but it it was so refreshing to play for a guy. Hey, he was a loose spirit. Don was a different kind of guy. He wasn't a real uh, disciplinarian in the sense that, you know, you had to toe the line or or you were going to be shown the door. But he was so creative, and it doesn't take players long to figure out that when the coach is telling you, if you'll do this, it'll work. We figured that out right away.
2: And Dan, at some point, somebody was going to start throwing the ball. You were playing in an era where Franco Harris was running the ball and the Steelers were running the ball 60-65% of the time. And Don Coryell was the guy that essentially turned the NFL into a passing league. If you talk about impact on the league, what coaches had more of an impact than that?
10: Well, and he started it much to the chagrin of, of Tom Landry because Dallas – Randy, you'll remember uh, that defense that Dallas used to play, that we called it the flex, where two of their defensive linemen were back off the ball in that little frog-like stance. And, you know, they were were a yard and a half uh, off the football, and and you couldn't get to them. And their, their sole job was to protect Leroy Jordan, their middle linebacker and it was their first down defense, and it was virtually, you know, it was a grind trying to to run against that. Well, Coriel went, well, what the heck are we butting our heads up against that for? We'll just throw the ball on first down. And uh, you think that Bob Young didn't just get a smile on his face when he walked up to the line of scrimmage and Randy White was two yards off the ball back there squatting like a frog? He was, you can't rush the passer from that. So we started throwing the ball, and it drove Landry out of his mind. And, and, and yes, if Don Coryell would have had his way, he would have thrown the ball even more than he did, and we were throwing the ball more than anybody in the league. It
2: was fantastic. Hey, Dan, you played through no fault of your own for teams that didn't have winning records. And here in St. Louis, while we have been unlucky with the the number of wins we had and the ability to keep teams, we had 49 seasons of NFL football here in St. Louis. Fifteen of those were winning seasons, yet... We have 10 Hall of Famers, yourself and your three teammates, Larry Wilson, uh, uh, along with Roger Worley and uh, Jackie Smith, and then six from the Rams, and maybe Torrey Holt and probably Don Coryell. For the number of wins we had, the number of Hall of Famers that we had was pretty remarkable.
10: Well, it, it really is. and I I know there were people who went, wait a minute. There are more St. Louis Cardinals in the Hall of Fame than Denver Broncos and and... Buffalo, and it's true. Um, now you notice, other than Roger, uh, th- that's a lot of offensive. <laughs> and three of the four, three of the four were offensive guys, uh, and you know the. Well, I take that back, Larry no, with Larry, but Larry, Larry preceded Don Coryell in that modern era. Let's face it, we were an offensive football team. Uh, with that coaching staff, and, and that's one thing that I think Don Correale, uh it's not one of the first things that people think of when they think of him. But, Randy, when you think about when he came to St. Louis, that his offensive coaching staff was Rod Dahauer, Joe Gibbs, and Jim Hannaford, all three of whom would become head coaches either collegiately or in the NFL. I Don deserves a lot of credit for identifying fine young coaches and enabling them, and he certainly brought them to St. Louis.
2: Yeah, he he was sensational, and we're rooting for for his family. Heck, Dan, it should have happened 30 years ago. That's the the sad part about it is that he's not going to be able to enjoy to enjoy this honor while he was living.
10: Well, the thing that bothered me for a long time about the NFL is that. If you didn't win a Super Bowl, if you didn't play or coach uh, on a Super Bowl football team, well, uh, somehow you were flawed. And that's such a ridiculous concept uh, to to think that, well, if you didn't play for Pittsburgh or Dallas, you couldn't have been that good. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, I can't imagine what it was like going to work every day in Pittsburgh or Dallas or Oakland in December, where you knew you were getting ready for a playoff run versus what it was like for us to go to work in December when you knew uh, that your season was going to end on the last weekend of the season because you were already out of the playoffs. Um, To play at a high level under those circumstances was something that I was always proud of my teammates for being able to do. We fought and played as hard on the last game of the season as we did on the first. And that's because we had a lot of Hall of Fame characters.
2: And just as an example, uh, and, and I won't use present company, although I easily could, but if Jim Hart is the quarterback of the Steelers and Terry Bradshaw is the quarterback of the Cardinals, Jim Hart is in the Hall of Fame with four Super Bowls and Terry Bradshaw probably is not as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals.
10: Well, if you said that pittsburgh they'd kill me they'd run you out of town on a rail the fact of the matter is you are 1000 percent correct and uh, uh I, i've told people that before jim hart was every bit as good of a thrower of the football and a quarterback uh, every bit as good as terry bradshaw uh, uh and better than uh, some other uh people that are in the hall of fame i I don't want to build Jim's case on the back of somebody else. That's I don't like to name names, but there are a handful of quarterbacks in the in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that weren't as gifted as Jim Hart.
3: Well, Dan, of course, we wanted to get you on to talk about Don Coryell, but we can't let you go without asking you about Michigan. What are your expectations for the, for the Wolverines this season?
10: Well, the defending Big Ten champions are <laughs> going to. They're going to be very good this year. They, hey, we lost uh, a lot of talent defensively. Anytime you lose, uh, we had two number ones and a, a second-round pick off our defense. And the second-round pick was only a second-round pick because he tore his Achilles uh, in the off season, David Ajabo. But the fact of the matter is, offensively, we may be better this year than we were last year. And defensively, we'll still be pretty good. The reality is, um, it's, we play in the Big Ten, but it's all about Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State is loaded again. Uh, they have the most talented roster in the, uh, and in the Big Ten. And if we can't beat them in Columbus, uh, you know, that's that. It all, it's all going to boil down to that.
2: Dan, for well, heck, fifty years more than fifty, well, yeah, many more than fifty years, you've been uh, playing football in the fall. Now you are retired. You told us when you announced your retirement you were going to take a fall trip that you've never had the opportunity to take before. Where are you and Debbie going to go?
10: Well, that, that's a good question. She just looked at. <laughs> we in the car. She just looked at me and said, "Well, where are we?" <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we've kicked around a a fall foliage trip. Uh, We haven't made up our mind what we're going to do. We're probably going to go to Ann Arbor uh, 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 for a couple games in October. And uh, uh, we haven't made up our mind yet. Uh, Got it. But this is, this is going to be weird. I'm 73 years old and uh, uh, this is the first time that uh, I haven't worked ever. So, um, I'll either get divorced or we're going to have a great fall. I'm, <laughs> and I'm getting the either way look over here. <laughs>
2: And last thing, October 10th, you and Chris Pronger have an annual golf tournament to benefit. Uh, Cardinal Glennon's Children's Hospital, this one is at at Boone Valley, and it's great. And for those that aren't aware, the, uh, the Trauma Center at Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital is named the Dan Dierdorf Emergency and Trauma Center. You, over the years, have done so many incredible things for our community, and you continue to do so. And as all of us in this room as St. Louisans, we can't thank you enough for what you have done, what you do and what you uh, will continue to do for the St. Louis community because it's been remarkable.
10: Well, thanks Randy and thanks Michelle. I'll I'll tell you what, uh, my affiliation and our family's affiliation with Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. uh, I've been on the board of governors for over 35 years. Uh, We've done the golf tournament for close to 35 years. it's been the most rewarding thing uh, that I've ever been involved with. And, yeah, the fact that, you know, 20 years ago they named the emergency room uh, after me and uh, they hung a portrait of me there, uh, luckily someplace where it won't frighten the kids. <laughs> and, um, hey, I'll, I'll never live up to the honor they've bestowed on me. That's, I've gotten a lot more out of it than I've been able to do for them.
2: Well, Dan, thanks for the time. Tell Debbie that uh, we said hi. Tell her that she should be able to make the decision. By the way, and uh, have
0: Debbie,
8: go we-
10: ahead. <laughs> tell Randy that you'll do that if you'll. <laughs>
8: unbeknownst to most people, I, I make quite a few of
10: the decisions around here. All right, that's enough. That's enough. We're done. Oh, wait a minute. We're breaking up. I can't hear you anymore.
2: Have a great day, guys. See you later. Take care. Right, goodbye. Thank you. Dan and Debbie Deardorff here on 101 ESPN. All right.
3: That's enough, he says. Amazing.
2: So I actually have a, uh, a great painting of Dan, an autographed painting of Dan in my basement, too. He's... Um, if you talk about, like, childhood heroic people, Dan's one of mine. He's, yeah, I grew up, I fell in love with football because of that team that he was on, and I think enough people know, if you aren't, my very first night as a full-time employee in radio, I was producing Open Line for Dan on his first night as the full-time host of wow. Sports Open Line on KMOX, so... Uh, you know, it's one of those cool things when you're a kid and you watch somebody, whether it's a broadcaster or an athlete, and then you meet them and they wind up not only being a great person, but a great friend. And that's exactly what Dan is. So I'm I'm so thrilled that, uh, A, he has the opportunity to enjoy retirement and, B, that his coach is a finalist for the Hall of Fame. And if he doesn't go in, if Don Coriel doesn't go in, what uh, pox that will be on the Hall of Fame voting committee. They should just disband it. If those 49 people can't give Don Correale, el- the only person eligible, 80% of the vote.
3: I can't believe he's not in already. And I'm so glad that Dan brought up his coaching tree because that was one of the questions I had written out for Dan, is not only did Don Coriel's offense transform the NFL and you still see his fingerprints in in the modern game that we're seeing, but whether it was Jim Hannafin or Joe Gibbs, John Madden, Madden. there's so many coaches that came from the Don Coriel coaching tree or or coaches that were influenced by his offense and his style of play and style of coaching. I don't know how you can look at Don Coriel and not recognize the influence Imprint that he made on the National Football League and put him in the Hall of Fame.
2: That offense that Dan described, that Don Coriel brought to the league, that was the greatest show on turf.
3: Yes, it was exactly. The exact same offense, exactly. Which I think it's just crazy that he's not in already. Yeah,
2: it's unbelievable. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. You're killing me. Smalls is next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now?
0: You're killing me, Smalls.
1: You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN.
0: Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store.
2: We already have some great entries for our fantasy football names so that you can win Eagles tickets. Still welcoming those at 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. But right now it's time for. You're
3: killing me, smalls. Well, good setup, Randy. Let's start with a lightning round of potential character and smallman, big league impact fantasy football names. Okay. All right, a quick yes or no. okay Chicken and Waddles. No. I'm sorry, you're out. It's going to be a no from us, dog. Take it to the limit. Yes. Okay, 573, you're in. Uh, Tua point conversion. <laughs> no, love it, but no. no. You're out, you're out. Uh, hold on, let me scroll here. We've already had Tua legit to quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tua two in, two infinity and beyond. Oh, yes. Okay, okay. Oh, yes. We are going to keep that oh, one. Infinity. How
2: many keepers are we going to have?
3: Well, we already have... Two a legit to quit. Right. And we have two a fast, two a furious. Right. So we're looking for two two more, two of more entries.
2: Okay, two or more. Two or more. <laughs> two God more entries. Bless
3: it. Okay, so we have a lot of two infinity and beyonds. Uh <laughs> yeah, that's six, gotta be the six one eight coming in with two a kill a Mockingbird
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a fantasy I love the creativity. I just don't think it's a fantasy football team name. <laughs>
3: very funny but you're out. No from us dog. Uh the 314 says you're missing the best fantasy name with a Miami tie in to a live crew.
2: Oh my. Oh my. That's got to be a, a yes for me.
3: Okay, to a live crew, you're in. What about the 314 suggesting get down to a business?
2: I'm going to go with no there.
3: A little clunky, but I like the thought. Uh the 309 says to a accurate. <laughs>
2: I'll, th- I'll throw that in there as a possibility.
3: <laughs> okay, last one from the 314. Sack it, two of ya.
2: Okay, that I think because it's a fantasy football team nickname, you've got to throw that in there as a possibility, right?
3: Okay, so we need to whittle this down to, t- to two more.
5: I thought, I, th- okay. I honestly thought Waddle two of the playoffs was pretty good.
3: It's kind of a lot. It's, it's a kind lot. of it's kind it's, of doing too much. It's a little clunky, It's kind of but doing too much. I
5: like that we got something in there with the second player.
2: Mm-hmm. Name. So I think I have my two.
3: Okay, what are they? Okay,
2: can you run through them again? Just yes, so that we
3: absolutely. Okay. Tua, Tua, Finity and Beyond. I like that one. Take it, Tua, the limit. Okay. Tua Live Crew, <laughs> socket it, yeah, or Tua Accurate.
2: I'm going to go Tua Infinity and Beyond and Tua Live Crew. Those would be my two.
3: Those are my two as well. Those are my two as well. Okay, so Tua Live Crew. I'm going to put this up on Twitter right now. We want everyone to vote.
2: And those two, Tua, that entered will win tickets to the Eagles on November 15th at Enterprise Center. So uh, thanks for your entries. We do appreciate it. So
3: it's Tua Fast, Tua Furious. Yes. It's Tua Live Crew. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm typing this out as as we're okay. going. It's uh, Tua Infinity and Beyond. Yes. And then what was the other one?
2: Uh, that was one of the older ones. Tua Legit to Quit. Tua Legit to Quit.
3: All right. This poll will be up in a second at M. Smallman. Please let your voice be heard because we need the right name that's going to carry us to victory in Adam Wainwright's Big League Impact Fantasy Football League. Highly important. It is highly important. He's going to be coming on every Wednesday. He's going to be trash-shocking, and we need a name that rolls off the tongue. We need a name that when Adam or Tommy Edman or whomever we're playing that week sees Mm. that they're playing against us, we strike fear into the heart of our opponent.
2: We want to be intimidating, and we are. So, with those names, no doubt about it.
3: You're killing me, small. Speaking of intimidating, there was a brawl that broke out yesterday between the los angeles rams and the cincinnati Bengals during their inter squad practice it was the team's final day of joint practice and a melee broke out essentially the video is all over the place you've seen it on social media you've probably seen it on espn today but one of the things that's really been pointing out is that aaron donald was swinging a helmet multiple times during the scrum randy what do you think of this
2: proud of aaron donald (laughs) He's got the big contract. He's got the Super Bowl championship. He's got three Defensive Player of the Year awards in the NFL. He doesn't need to be competing hard and getting mad during a practice, but he did. It shows me and tells me a lot about Aaron Donald that he got that upset during a practice and was willing to swing a helmet. And I know he's not Richie Incognito, so I like it.
3: But you did say he went full Richie earlier in the show. He did show. go
2: full Richie. There's no doubt about that.
3: And that's something you don't want to do. You never, never, ever go full Richie.
2: No, if you do that, it'll get you cut from the St. Louis Rams.
3: Big time. Well, a lot of people are wondering what sort of punishment way, might await at Aaron Donald. Excuse me. Here's Adam Schefter on if the NFL can punish Aaron Donald.
1: The league stance is this. Clubs are responsible for overseeing the conduct of their own players at practice including joint practices between two teams like the one today between the Bengals and the Rams. So any discipline that would be handed down against the Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald would have to come from the Rams themselves. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the Rams are not going to suspend Aaron Donald for their season opening game two weeks from tonight against the Buffalo Bills and that Aaron Donald is expected to play in the regular season opener. I don't think the Rams will take that drastic of an action against their all-world defensive lineman. Going
2: out on a limb
1: there.
3: Yeah, I'm Wait, you're telling me that the Rams are not going to punish their best player? I am shocked. <laughs> and yes. honestly though, what even if the NFL could punish him, why would you punish him for that? I know safety whatever whatever, but Come yeah, on. It, I
5: mean, that's, that's why. It didn't we're, happen in a game. We're talking about <laughs> practice, man. Yeah, don't worry practice. about safety. It's we're practice. Good. Yeah.
3: I I would be excited that there was enough energy and enthusiasm in practice that warrants a melee like that. I
2: agree. I think that that's a good thing for the NFL. I,
3: I think that that's what they want.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that was the most competitive anybody will be during the NFL preseason, and it didn't even happen in a game.
3: Especially at this point in the NFL preseason. Yeah, right. When everybody's tired and they're just ready to get things started. Even
2: the fans don't want to participate in preseason, clearly. Preseason is the pits. It's the worst.
3: It was great for us, though, when we had the St. Louis Rams, because once week one started, it was all downhill from there.
2: Yeah, once the the preseason was kind of like our Super Bowl.
3: Remember how funny it used to be to go to Rams Park, and we we would look at all the draft picks and say, maybe, maybe maybe Mm -hmm. Brian Quick is going to be the answer. Yep. Maybe Marty Gilliard will unlock something. No.
2: Victor Adeyanju.
3: (laughs) Hey. Mike Sims walk. He started way more games than he should have.
5: Yeah, he was the best player that they took from that draft. I loved Victor Adeyanju, but that was the problem.
3: We We should play a game where you would crush me where we name random St. Louis Rams.
5: Oh, Oh, we
2: could have a lot of fun with uh, that. He
5: dunked on Tim McKernan yesterday during Tim McKernan's own show about innocuous Rams when he dropped the unbeatable quarterback-wide receiver combination that was Keith Knoll to Brandon 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 Gibson.
2: (laughs) I remember it well.
3: (laughs) Keith Knoll
5: to Brandon Gibson. God. One word. so bad.
3: That was brutal. So when...
2: uh, when, when they drafted Keith Null from whatever I think he was West Texas State University and they have a conference call with all the draftees West Texas A&M maybe so, yeah. and he uh, is asked how did you wind up at West Texas A&M and he says oh it's a god thing
3: a god thing
5: mm-hmm. he's not even the best West Texas A&M player that the Rams had in that era ladies and gentlemen Ethan Westbrooks
2: Ethan, <laughs> Ethan another great St. Louis Rams story
3: Remember Joe Barksdale?
2: Yeah, I liked Joe. He so was a I. solid Good guy, played was the guitar. Smart. He's a good dude. Yeah, he was. So uh, Ethan Westbrooks got a face tat. He did, yeah. Because he wanted to play in the NFL, and he wanted to practice so hard that he didn't want to plan B and didn't figure anybody would hire him in the real world with a face tat, and he actually wanted to plan six, seven years in the NFL. He
3: had a way better career than a lot of people expected him to.
2: Way better, no doubt.
3: But you know what? When you commit to a face tat... It's NFL or bus baby.
2: It better be pretty good. And he didn't have probably a career that was worthy of a face
5: tag.
3: Remember Lance Kendricks? I do. He looked like LeBron. (laughs) He was a
5: big. He was a big dude. Should have been a solid tight end. You remember Chris Givens?
3: <laughs> of course. So we did a
5: show, a weekly oh, show with fifty yard touchdown, fifty yeah. yard catches, baby. That yeah. rookie year.
2: Yeah, we did. We did a, a weekly show with Chris Givens in his second year, oh. and he bought like a Lamborghini. Oh. He was a fourth round pick. Nice. Was probably making maybe five, six hundred thousand dollars, and bought like a super expensive sports car. I wonder what's, we what what really, he's up to these days. Really? You he, he still was, has the car. Yeah, probably not.
5: I don't think really so thought he was going to blow up after that rookie year. Team, yeah. so, was it was eight straight games where he had a 30 yard catch or something like that, or 50 yeah, yard catch. Like it was that. something like insane. And then never again. And I then just never again.
3: Pulled up the the 2012 Rams roster. No, Brian, don't do Brian it. Brian Quick, Isaiah oh, Pede, God. Austin Pettis, oh. Eugene Sims, oh. Darian Stewart, Rokavius Watkins. Shout, oh. shout out to, to oh. Rock, Rock. Rock Watkins. Shout, shout, out, shout out to Rock. Um,. A Greg Zerline, Greg the Leg. I
5: mean, there's a point in my life where I spent a, a July afternoon and got excited about the pass rushing potential of Eugene Sims. Like that's just that's yeah. like that's where I was at that's a point in 2012. Like that, I was like, I was sitting there like, oh, you know what? After that, he really got after it after that scrimmage at Lindenwood. Eugene Sims could be something for this team.
2: Yeah, <sighs> no, probably not. Delusion.
3: Craig Dahl, Jolon Dunbar.
2: Craig Dahl, who started a game at tackle at one point. <laughs> Jolon actually had a good year with the Rams, but then got kind of full of himself.
3: You know, yeah, we had fun with Cortland again.
2: Yeah, he well, oh, yeah, the the preseason was fun until so he started getting burned. So did Andre Johnson. Yeah, but the pie in the face was
5: fun.
3: Corey Harkey.
5: Oh, Park. You
3: know what? A solid blocking,
5: H back, tight end hybrid. I liked Corey Harkey. He was a good dude. Still, the
2: biggest thing and
5: best thing about him was
2: his dad is the bullpen coach for the Dodgers. <laughs> yep. Wow.
3: Some of these names, man, bringing me back. Unfortunate. Yeah.
2: Thanks, Michelle. You got it. And uh, we thank you for tuning in and texting in. And coming up next, we're going to head down the stretch. We're going to tell you uh, again who is headed towards the ability to name our fantasy football team. And hey, we want Greg Oden next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Somebody say hey!
2: today to one of the fight questions and immediately i mean immediately after that question was asked even before i answered we got texts multiple texts dozens of texts that said we need to hear hey we want greg odin so there it is for you here on character and smallman on 101 espn
3: that little greg odin ditty, that little bop about greg Oden, used to be a staple in the fast lane back in the day
2: that is like one of the ultimate car sing-along songs isn't it People love to sing along in their car, yelling, hey, we want Greg Oden! It's just cool. Is it cool? Yeah, it's well, it's cool for them.
3: What's old Greg Oden up to these days?
2: He's got to be 60 now, doesn't he? No. He was like 42 when he was in college.
3: <laughs> I'm Googling him. Greg Oden. I think he's he might work for Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah,
5: I, think he's, I was going to say, I think he's working for Ohio State.
3: Yes. Um, let's see. Stand by, gentlemen. Uh, clicking the old Wikipedia I'll go page. will check
5: Mark Titus' Twitter. I'm sure he's got to be there. careful
3: with uh, a Google search on Greg Oden. Yeah. I'm on a work mm. device here.
5: So. Those of you that had
2: the names for, oh, yeah, if you're on a work device and you're Googling Greg Oden, be very careful.
3: Okay, on April 2022, Greg Oden joined Thad Admata staff at Butler University as director of basketball operations. For Greg. Greg. Good job. College hoops.
2: So Michelle has the poll up so that you can vote on the name for our fantasy football team. We'll provide you with said name on Monday. And don't forget that couple of uh, people that texted in their names with the best ones are going to see the Hotel California tour by the Eagles November 15th at Enterprise Center. And you can also find tickets at the 101 ESPN app or 101ESPN.com. We're headed down to the ballpark because Adam Wainwright's Fantasy Football League gets started today. Looking forward to that. That'll be fun.
3: It will. And please, as Randy mentioned, uh, make your voice heard. Vote for our name. Yeah. We want this to be a collective Randy, Matt, myself, the BLIS—we want everyone to feel good about the name.
2: This is kind of like uh, when you get rid of somebody because of philosophical differences and hire the new person. You—you you want a collaborative effort, and that's what we're looking for here.
3: All voices need to be heard.
2: And by that way, by the way, that collaborative effort is 20 and six in their last 26 games, and start a series against the. Atlanta Braves tonight. You can see it on Valley Sports. Go Cards.
3: Let's go Cardinals.
2: Yep. Great job today by our producer-engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. And Michelle, this has been fun. We said it earlier, this week went really fast.
3: Today felt like a Thursday. I'm thrilled that it's Friday, but that's how much fun we had this week is that it felt like a Thursday. Was
2: great. Thanks to Dan Deirdre for joining us. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. TMAC and Ajax with the Bloom Party coming up. And until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis.
1: You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night